Ladies and gentlemen, you got Chris Thomas. And I'm Corey Moore. And you're listening to the Running Back Sports Show, Sports for the Culture. What is going on, everybody? What is going on? What is going on, Chris? Oh, man. It's a lovely uh, sports week, is it not? Absolutely, man. And you're listening to us on 98.5 WJY and on Uptown Radio. Uptown Radio Philly.org and live on YouTube. If you want to call to join the discussion today, this number is 215-763-9596. Here we got my guy Mike Spencer calling in at 630. Raptors fan is going to tell us all about the newest hire for the 26th head coach in franchise history, Nick Nurse. We're sick of the doc, so we're getting the nurse instead. Man, bye-bye, doc, and hello, Mr. Nurse. Yes, absolutely, and... Speaking of history, it just occurred to me on my timeline that it is the 22-year anniversary of the famous call of steps over Teron Lu of Iverson step over over Teron Lu in the 2001 NBA Finals between the LA Lakers and the Philadelphia 76ers, the only game the Philadelphia 76ers won in that finals, but it was the only game that the LA Lakers lost that entire postseason ran. That was our championship. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to let nobody tell me different. We won. The Lakers didn't lose a single game in that whole playoffs you except think. to Allen Iverson game one. Not the Sixers, Allen Iverson game one, because he single-handedly is the reason why we won that game. I mean, our squad – it was proof by the next four games. We failed to show up. But, man, did Allen Iverson walk into the City of Angels, into L.A., to what was it, the Staples Center or was it still a Coliseum? I think it was Staples Center. Yeah. Um, walk into the Staples Center and pull out an improbable, I think everybody thought it was impossible win. I mean, to that point, the Lakers couldn't be touched. Yes, absolutely. 48 points. And, you know, we still got a little Eric Snow runner to, you know, that little dagger on it for us to solidify that win. And honestly, if you still watch interviews, Shaq is still bothered by that loss to that day. It's it's like that loss to him is the equivalent of Tom Brady still being bothered by Super Bowl 52. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. Even though Shaq still got the ring, I'm like, we still got a piece of you. I think it's wild that you're mad that you lost one game. I mean, I get it. I get it. It had to be demoralizing to lose to a five whatever because I know he was listed at six. He wasn't six. Soaking wet at 160 pounds, just single-handedly just deflate your whole team's ego. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, Kobe and Shaq definitely turned it up a notch after that game. But, I mean, they almost – they would have had a perfect postseason. Has that ever been done in NBA history? No, it hasn't. Yeah, that's no, why they're soft. No wonder Shaq's still mad. Then I'm about to say that 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 that's a that's a record right there. Not even the Warrior, no, because no. every time the Warriors got to the finals, you know that's when I mean they, they played LeBron. LeBron wouldn't let them sweep them out. But I'm about to say I, I would have thought that the Warriors might have had a perfect postseason, but no, no, I don't think so. So, wow. Shout out to the AI Legend only grows because you're the only man to you know to prevent the Lakers from having a perfect postseason. Yep. <laughs> Oh, man. But as great as that was, now we fast forward to, which is now 2023, Philadelphia Eagles, not the Philadelphia Eagles, that's for September, go Birds, can't wait, (laughs) 13-4 season on deck. (laughs) 13-4, oh, man, why are you underestimating my birds? Listen, you got to account for margin of error. 
I am. I gave them three losses. That's a margin of error. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're going to lose probably to the Chiefs. We're probably going to lose to the 49ers. They got to get their lick back in. I want them to honestly win just so we can go into the playoffs with them, you know, filling themselves a little bit, you know, running to us again and then bam, smack down. Look, here's my thing. I don't care about – I don't care if we split with Dallas again. I don't, even, I don't even care if we even split with the Giants. I want that I want that convincing W against San Fran. So that way I'm like, Debo, what's the excuse now? See, I thought that the the win was convincing. I mean, I get it. I get it. You know, we, the quarterbacks were hurt, but we knocked them out. That's the – for me, that's the, the reason of of convincing. If I knock your guy out of the, the fight and he can't fight no more, I gave you a convincing win. I con- decisively was victorious. So, I mean – I personally, you know, listen, I, I, I'm excited about seeing the prospect of a 49ers-Eagles rematch. I mean, I'm with you. I really would love to silence them for good. Uh, I don't necessarily think we need it. You know, um, I think it's more for 49ers morale than it is, you know, for the Eagles or the Eagles fan base. I mean, we went to the Super Bowl. If you, if you beat us, I still don't care. Like, the Chiefs, are, honestly, that's the team that I need to beat. You know, I mean, that's the team that, you know, I'm looking forward to next year, right? There's the regular season or the postseason because – like LaShawn Shady McCoy says on, you know, um, on that talk show that I can't speak for yourself, uh, Eagles going back to the Super Bowl. It's not even like we're not even going to argue this. Like, I don't care who you tell me is a contender until somebody shows up in a regular season. Howie's just done too much. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw my coins, all of my eggs. I'm going to throw my lot. I'm going to gamble all of my money. I'm going to put my house up and I'm going to mortgage my third kid. We are going back to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, and that's our little NFL segment for right now. But to elaborate more, the there's now a report out that James Harden is now torn between whether to either re-up and re-sign with the Philadelphia 76ers or to go back to Houston. And honestly, as somebody who really wasn't pro-James Harden to begin with, but it was just like if the deal happens, it happens, initially when the trade happened, I'm like, so you're deciding whether to go back to where your family is to pretty much what made your, essentially what you made your Hall of Fame career or to stay here and still try to compete for a championship. Don't, do you think that's a little bit of a red flag for you? No. Only reason why is because it's Houston. I mean, if I'm being honest. I mean, it's like, it's like, Chris, somebody offers you $4 million in a house in Singapore. And they tell you the money's tax-free the house is paid off you just got to move you're gonna go you're gonna give it a chance you know um and maybe you love it maybe you don't but always there's a pull of going back home now i'm not i mean james is obviously not from houston but you know he's a houston child like Embiid is a houston uh, philadelphia child uh so as long as it's about houston honestly i don't feel any type of way he played in houston for years i mean the, the girls in Houston love him. The people in Houston love him. The Houston front office loves him. If he goes back to Houston, I'm not going to lie, I'll be kind of bummed. Uh, only bummed because I feel like, you know, it puts us at a disadvantage and it makes Daryl Morey have to work even harder. But, you know, if he's torn between going back to Houston and staying here, go back. <laughs> like, I love him. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big – I've always been a big Harden fan. I've always been a huge Harden fan going back to the OKC days. But – I don't want any player torn to play in Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a tough market to play in. It's a hard place to play in. 
you can't be torn to want to be here. You have to want to be here because otherwise you're not going to enjoy your time in Philadelphia. We're going to heckle you. We're going to run down. We're going to drag you. We're going to give you every bit of flack that we can. So, no, don't be torn between Philly and Houston. If you're torn, go back to the strip clubs. Go back to Houston. Go back to, you know, whatever you think they're going to do for you. Because let's be honest, Chris, Houston's not going to cater to James. They got too many young guys. I don't see it happening. I don't see the mortgage in their future for James at 34 or 33. And he's, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's probably going to stunt their growth. <laughs> like, at least Jalen Green, you're going to stunt his growth a little bit. I feel like the Harden to Houston thing, it makes sense. Like, because they have a lot of young players Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., Sun Gun, I really, Sun Gun, their center, I really like, Javar Smith, and they still have a lottery pick. Um, but the one thing that they are missing is a veteran with guidance. If all the stuff that we've been hearing for like the past, well, technically season and a half with James Harden about how essential his influence and his leadership is to the growth of Tyrese Maxey, then what's what's to say like that will help him with his growth when it comes to guys like Jalen Green? No, that's true. Yeah, that's very so true. like, and the one thing they are missing is a, like they got a bunch of ball handers, they got a bunch of scores, but the one thing they don't have is a guy who's willing to go in there, operate on a smart basketball level, and I think like Harden and Udoka can bounce back inf- bounce back information in terms of getting those guys to actually play smart. They have a lot of young gunners out there, but they are incredibly low IQ. So I think Harden comes in and cleans it up with his ball handling, making sure everybody gets to their spots, doing the pick and rolls and all that stuff. And honestly... I think the one thing that it kind of really like, sh- like molded my image in regards to what the Sixers need to do going forward is the way that these two teams in the NBA Finals is and the way that their roster makeup is constructed. You don't need two to three like stars anymore in order to make it a league, in order for you to make a championship. It's not K- it's not the KD Warriors. It's not the big three Miami Heat running the league or the the ball the original Boston big three. It's like you need your superstar player. And you need a bunch of super energized role players who are going to be able to be positioned and, and to put in their spots in order for them to make big shots. So if Embiid's your superstar, that's really it. And he's as long as he's on the field, as long as he's on the court, you're guaranteed to at least get no less than about 50 wins if he's fully healthy. Let's Almost honest. definitely. Yeah. So you double down on Tyrese Maxey. And then at that point, you fill this roster up. And you try to move some sort of cap around to do what nearly what everybody else in the NFL, NBA is doing, get yourself smart athletic wings, then you can still compete for a championship even if Harden goes back to Houston. Well, most definitely. Um, I mean, I look at it this way. I mean, even if Harden goes back to Houston, you still got to get rid of Tobias. You got to get rid of that $40 million contract. I understand. You know, people are like, you know, it's an expiring contract, but that's what makes it all the more valuable. Yeah, I, I understand that, but the thing is, is that, like, who is willing to, to bite off that? Well, I think there's going to be a lot of teams willing to bite off that. If they got cap, you know, they got players under the cap for maybe a couple of years that they, you know, have grown sour towards. Yeah. I mean, I look at the Chicago. Be honest with you, I look at the Chicago, and I'm thinking Zach Levine. You know, um, they're going to want to break up one of those guys. Let's be honest. Like, you know, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, somebody's going. You know, they put all their chips in that basket. It didn't really pan out. You know, so. I think Lonzo Lonzo getting hurt really screwed them. Oh, most definitely. If Lonzo was healthy, I think Chicago is a whole different beast than what they. You know, um, 
And I think Lonzo was that glue that kind of connected Levine's game to DeRozan's game. Without Lonzo, they're too too similar without, you know, any like anything of substance between them to kind of balance them out. So with that being said, you need something back that's not going to be as ball dominant, that's going to, you know, be able to put up shots, you know, give you some some size and some, you know, some toughness. I like the idea of Tobias, you know, in Chicago. And I love the idea of Zach here. I mean, I like DeRozan. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think Zach's a better fit. Uh, but I don't know if I necessarily like the James and Houston fit. I get everything you're saying, and it sounds good in theory, but James has an ego, man. And I just don't see how he sits that ego down to allow the young guys to flourish the way they need to. James has already said on, you know, on record that, you know, he wants more freedom. You know, offensively, he wants more freedom. And what does that look like where you have a bunch of young guys, whether that's Jalen Green, Kevin Porter, whoever you draft next? Um, what does that really look like? Because what, what, what they got the chance to get Scoot? Where are they at? Two or three? Yeah. So you had the chance to get Scoot or uh, Brandon Miller? I don't do that. Like, if I'm Houston, I don't see the understanding of why you even want James back outside of nostalgia. And James, I don't know why in the world you want to go anywhere outside of a winning franchise. And right now, the smartest decision is Houston obviously. Houston has a forfeit. Okay. So you still have the chance to get a Brandon Miller or, you know, um, somebody else or one of the twins. I don't see why you do that. I just don't. Like, if you're Houston, it's, it's like OKC deciding all of a sudden, okay, you know what? We got a bunch of young guys. Let's trade for Chris Paul. It's like I get the understanding that you want a floor general that has the wisdom, the experience, and can tutor, you know, or give tutelage to the young guys and really coach them up. But at the same time, I'm just thinking, like, these guys, like, you know, they got a shot. They got a chance. They got room to grow. Like, you know, let them grow. You know, let them shine. Like Orlando. Like, you know, let these guys just – have bumps and bruises along the way. I agree, but I mean, they also bring up a good point about the off freedom on the offense when it comes to Houston. But what does freedom on the offense look like here in Philadelphia? Well, you're, you're not going to get it in Philly, so I think that's where you know James's dilemma is going to really come down to. Nick Nurse is not going to give him off. Like, listen, would Doc have? I don't think so. But Doc probably would have been more privy to it. Uh, Nick, no, like Nick. From all accounts, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, the the the, the news around uh, Mill and the NBA is that, you know, he holds his players very accountable. You know, he's very, you know, demanding, and he's an outside-the-box thinker, which an outside-the-box thinker and coach is not giving the keys to anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're like who did Popovich give the keys to besides Parker? And even then, it was with a modicum of, of – understanding that you still had to do what I told you to do. You know, Spo, you know, Jimmy, you know, like Jimmy probably has probably the most freedom out of almost any superstar in the NBA currently, you know, and even with that being said, you're still doing what Spo tells you to do. You're running Spo's offense. James, I get that, you know, you feel like you're this basketball savant and super genius. And listen, we've seen it on, on display, but you're not the same offensive cannonball that you used to be. And now we have a coach that honestly – I'm not concerned about in the same ways I was concerned about docking as far as calling the game or making in-game adjustments because we've seen Nick Nurse's body of work. Like, I just don't know what that looks like for James. I don't. Like, you have to go to a team that's ascending that is like, you know what, James, we're just so happy to have you. But what franchise is that? What franchise is going to be that happy with a 33-year-old James? Not a 29, 
you know, I just been robbed of MVP James. This is, you know, James at a next stage of his career. What does that look like? Yeah. Options are very few of you. It is. You know, uh, I really, like, you know, you think, like, what comes to mind? You know, you got Houston. That's one, just because of nostalgia. That's it. You know, outside of that, Philly's just your best fit. You know, you don't want to go to Philly, then, like, maybe you figure out a sign and trade with Dallas. But even then, no matter where you go, you don't have freedom of control. Like, that's where – that's my, like, my whole point. Yeah, because you go to Dallas, that's Lucas show. That's Lucas show. You go to Utah – like, you can go I doubt, to Utah. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I doubt, I doubt the Lakers want him either. Honestly – it's not even if the Lakers – if the Lakers – I mean, honestly, I think the Lakers would be dumb not to want him just for the simple fact that he was stabi- stabilized that whole offense. But the, the thing is, Lakers have nothing. Like, what, do you, what can you even think about giving us? Because you can't sign James Harden. You have to sign a trade, which means you have to give us D'Lo. D'Lo doesn't excite nobody in Philadelphia, not since he was in Ohio State. Yeah. And even then, like, you know, it was like, uh, do I love D'Lo? Uh, maybe I don't. You know, so it's like you got to give me D'Lo, Austin Reeves, and Rui. Are you really throwing, giving me all three of those guys? No, at that point, if I'm more, I'm like, no, nah, give me Rui, Reeves, and Vanderbilt. I like that. But even then, I still need a first-round pick. Like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, I like Reeves. Reeves gave us a little something-something this year. I like Vanderbilt. He's a he's – a, He's a, 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 a wonderful utility knife, yeah. you know, and then you got Rui, who I think got untapped potential. I do. Um, I think Rui is a lot like Michael Porter Jr. I just think that these guys are just waiting to, like, completely just monstrously break out. Rui, you know, just Washington is a pit hole. Like, you know, and I'm sorry if you're listening from Washington. I don't mean your city any harm or your district. I'm sorry because you're not a city or a state. I don't mean your district any harm, but your team is a pit hole. Everybody that goes to your team destroys their career. <laughs> we can go back to the Gilbert days. I mean, every single player you've had has had one or two, three great years, and then you fall off the cliff of the earth. J- John Wall, Bradley Beal, Gilbert Arenas, you know. Rui was supposed to be that dude for you. He wasn't that dude. Kristaps, you was hoping and banking that maybe he could do something. He's not that dude. So it's just like – if you're gonna, if James gonna go to the Lakers, yeah, you gotta give us those three players at minimum, and then you gotta think about giving us first round picks. I don't know if who's that guy, uh, Palenka's going to do that. Yeah, I don't know if he's gonna handicap their team even further than he has already handicapped their team. I honestly don't know why he has a job. Yeah, because honestly, at this point, like LeBron contemplating retirement, that kind of puts their team in limbo. But honestly, I don't. Think you know why LeBron's really contemplating retirement? That man ain't retiring. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he want he. Every time he does this, it's the where is he heading to next? Like you know, and I'm not saying he's going to leave. And to take the heat up, even to take the heat to the fact that he got off, that he got swept. Oh yeah, like the the narcissism and ego ego maniacal thinking in that. Like you know, because the common man is just like, oh my god, LeBron, please don't retire. But you know, to the sports savvy person like yourself, you know, you look at the not the narrative and you say, LeBron, you're kind of like salacious and a little shady for that, because instead of the narrative being what it should have been, and the Lakers got swept, why did you get swept? Why were you so underwhelming? What, ne- what needs to happen next for the L.A. Nation? Instead is, what happens if LeBron retires? If LeBron retires, are we giving him a farewell tour? If LeBron retires, you know, what does the Lakers win? Everything now becomes if LeBron retires. Like, the man doesn't know how not to have the, the, the topic around him. He is king-level narcissism. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Love LeBron, but king, we can call a spade a spade. King narc. King Nart. 
Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYND, Run of Sports Show, Sports Photo Culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, the number is 215-763-9596. So, obviously, if Harden leaves, at that point, you're only left around roughly about $9 million. All the reason why you got to get rid of Toby. Yeah. And at that point, if you're trying to get rid of Toby, at that point, you can't really get equal to value. You got to find pennies on the dollar. First off, Chris. Chris, what is equal value for Toby? <laughs> I don't – you know I'm going to be that guy. But come, <laughs> come on, man. Like, no, what I, do you really want? Because I told you what I want. No, I just want the money. Yeah, I'm, honestly, like, whatever you're doing, like, you got to take – obviously, got to take some salary along with you because that $40 million cap is no joke. So, in my opinion, like – Send them to OKC. <laughs> they got braid to give us. My opinion, send them to San Antonio. Him with Wemby. And you put a couple pieces around them, yeah, like, you know, they're not going to be contending, but yeah, Wemby every, needs a veteran presence, yeah, right? Cause, yeah, because right now, I think the person with, like, the highest cap cap hit right now is Doug McDermott. If you're willing to do that kind of – doing that swap, I'll take Doug for to- Toby. <laughs> and it's, a, it's an expiring Toby. contract for an expiring contract. And then at that point – Then, honestly, at that point, you have – you free up – I'm trying to do the math mentally in my head. 13, you're taking in $13 million, You're trading away like $39 million. That's $26 extra million dollars in order for you to do stuff. That's a max spot, and I don't even need a max spot. All I need to do is fill that, that spot up with what you said earlier, yeah. wing guys, wing 3 and D to play, like players. That's what killed us is the fact that our depth really just got bad after who? D'Anthony, Paul Reed. After that, we were kind of like, everybody talks about, like, you know, how deep we are. You know, oh, I like Shake. You know, like, you might like these guys, but these guys ain't show you nothing. And hey, Doc- hey, hey, listen, listen. <laughs> Caleb Martin and Duncan Robinson are playing essential roles for a finals team. Yes, but Duncan Robinson has proven before that the man can play. He can shoot. He can keep you in a game. <laughs> We'll continue this like after our call. Heard. 98.5 WJYN, running back sports. Hi, this is uh, Mike Kernishan. I'm on with Chris at 630 to talk to Nick Nurse. Hey, Mike, how's it going, man? Good, how about you? Good, man. Just want to let you know you are on FM radio here here in Philadelphia. So just want to, how about you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? So uh, I'm a Toronto native. I've been a lifelong Raptors fan for the last, 20 or so years, been heavily invested in not only the, the Raptors' rise under Nick Nurse, but kind of been on the more critical side from a Raptors fan perspective and follow both the uh, the Sixers and Raptors coaching uh, uh, vacancies very closely over the last month. All right, awesome. I got one question before like we actually get. Sure. Bef- Do you have an Andre Bargnani jersey? <laughs> I did back in the day, believe it or not. I think back in like 2008 or 2009. Okay. I I, I feel like if anybody's a real Raptors fan, I feel like they would have that jersey like deep in their closet. Oh, my first ever jersey was a Morris Peterson purple and black jersey. My man, Mo, Mo yeah. Pete was that dude back in the day. Mo Pete actually taught me how to shoot a proper jump shot, so... That's pretty wild. I need to put that like on a, on the Mount Rushmore of things that I've never expected <laughs> black people to do. <laughs> See somebody how to shoot a basketball. <laughs> he was. It was while he was a player, 
I was at a camp and they brought in Raptors players as like uh, like guest counselors for a day, and like seven year old me couldn't shoot it, couldn't shoot all that well, and Mo Pete was doing shooting drills. Oh, dude, that man, that's awesome. <laughs> that is pretty dope. I'm not even gonna lie. Yeah. I think the the closest thing I have to that is say I went to a Philadelphia carnival when I was seven years old, and one of the Eagles' offensive linemen taught me how to play pool. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's a pretty cool story, See, though. See, I'm an Eagles fan too, so that there's the Philly connection with me. Oh snap! Hey, what's up, Bird, Bird Gang fam? How's it going, man? Bird Gang, exactly. Go Birds! Yeah. All right, so. Obviously, before we talk about Nick Nurse, I just wanted to know, like, your overall, like, uh, take about the – about what happened this season with the Toronto Raptors. With the Raptors this year, we just found ourselves in a hole we couldn't get out of. The, early in the season, I want to say it was about 10 or 12 games in, road game in Dallas, there's a wet spot on the floor – and Pascal Siakam tears an adductor muscle. And Raptors got off to a hot start. That happens, and all the air was let out of the balloon. The role players couldn't pick up the slack. And the Raptors were a weird team to watch this year because when they were good, they looked like they could get on a run and finish around where they did in the 2021-22 season where they were a four-seed, 48 wins, took Philly really further than anyone should have when it's a 3-0 lead, not to bring that up. But um, then when they were bad, they looked like they could be in Wembenyama territory. <laughs> I'm going to let you know now, I'm kind of sad that y'all not in Wemby territory. Now, don't get me wrong, as a Raptors fan, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a Raptors fan, but I'm saying as a Raptors fan, <laughs> you would have liked your team to be competitive, right? Like, you know, I don't yeah. – I would never in any world like, you know, oh, man, and B goes down, you know, Harden is now sitting out. Come on, Sixers, let's get Wemby. But I just look at it this way. If Wemby was in Toronto, next to Pascal Siakam, next to Van Vliet, you don't fire Nick at that point. And no. Wemby now, like, that team looks really scary in a few years. Like, mm-hmm. the prospect of a C- – because it's the thing, even in Philly, the prospect of a Siakam with the actual big who can stretch the floor where Siakam can kind of do what he does great really scares me. Like, I think Siakam, like, you know, I think that's where he's held back is the fact that I think if you put Siakam next to a really bona fide big man who can really do a lot, Siakam now becomes like, I'm going to be real with you, like, all-NBA second team. He scares you. You know, but oh, Siakam yeah. has to pick up a lot of slack for the rest of the guys. You know, so I'm just saying, like, that whole Wemby, I'm not, like, Toronto, like, that's the thing. Y'all overachieve a lot. Now, am I right or am I wrong with that? Oh, you, absolutely. I mean, the not this past season, but the season before. Everyone kind of expected, okay, Lowry's gone. The team's going to be a lottery team. Didn't think that Scotty Barnes was going to be rookie of the year and that this team was going to be a five seed. And this year, everyone kind of thought, well, now it's time to just kind of build momentum. Talk around Toronto was, we're going to get somewhere between 45 and 50 wins. And it just did not happen. Yeah. It's a shame because what, like, now, Chris, uh, sir, please correct me if I'm wrong, but what happened to Scotty this year? Oh. Uh, Was uh, that at me or was that at Chris? Oh, no, I could, oh, Mike, you could take this question. Because I'm curious, too. 
With Scotty, what happened this year was development is never linear. And I think a lot of people expected, okay, well, he's gotten the rookie of the year, and now he's going to be the number two guy. And the Raptors had a whole bunch of guys that wanted to be the number two behind the act. You had Van Vliet. OG and Nobi took a step forward in his score in this year average. I believe about 17 and a half a game. Uh, tapered off a little bit after the, the Yakum Pirtle trade. But, you know, Gary Trent is going to do Gary Trent things, and you're going to have a game where he puts up four points, and then you're going to have the next game and he puts up 34 points. So, Scotty, for someone that is not a natural shooter and not a natural scorer, even dating back to his Florida State days where he was more of a kind of a Lamar Odom big man that passes, mm-hmm. you know, as a wing. Scotty's still trying to figure out what his position is. Sometimes he's a small ball five. Sometimes he's a point guard. Sometimes he's a small forward. And there's just never been a clear vision as to what to do with him. So we saw improvement with his shooting towards the end of the year, but he hit the sophomore slump. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. Like, after, you know, his performance in his rookie year, like, there's, like, me and my two other co-hosts, like, we were talking about who's going to be the best player within the next five years. One of my co-hosts said Evan Mobley. The other one said Kate Cunningham's going to be, like, next. And I'm the one who took Scotty Barnes. I'm like, listen, if everything kind of pans out when Scotty, like, that's, like, the next, like, babyface Kawhi Leonard right there. Scott, mm-hmm. see, I love Scotty. I do. You, but can I, can I be <laughs> – I don't want to say this, and I'll, I like – I like this guy, and I don't want him to not like me. But you know what Scotty really scares me into? See, Scotty has that potential where he could be like Kawhi. Like, I'm, I'm be honest with you. Because Kawhi was very unassuming coming out of San Diego State. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, you love his length, you love his mind, you love his work ethic. But you didn't never, you never thought he was going to be lethal. You never thought you would consider Kawhi playoff Jordan. Right? Yeah. Like, you never once thought that was potential for him. Yeah. But he, he carved out his own his own path. He made his own greatness happen. I think Scotty has a lot of those intangibles. But at the same time, Scotty's rawness scares me because Mm -hmm. he has everything that you need in order to be a bona fide superstar in the NBA. You know, the only thing he don't currently have is a wet shot. But it's actually been proven that you can develop a shot, i.e. Joel Embiid. You know. Exactly. uh, But what also scares me is I think his rawness also scares me into Zaire Smith range. And I don't think he'll ever be a bust or somebody who didn't, you know, come to show up like Zaire Smith. But my point is, you know, does he get to the Kawhi trajectory or is he like middling between Kawhi trajectory and Zaire? And he just nothing more becomes than a super role player. He becomes like a PGA Tucker on steroids or fentanyl. Like, you know, it's just I like Scotty a lot. I just I understand where you're coming from. To me, like it's kind of teetering either between he can either be Kawhi Leonard or Andre Iguodala. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But Iggy was good. Iggy was really Iggy good. Iggy was good, but not number one option good. You're right. But when he was with the when he was with the Sixers at one point, he did average twenty. He did. I'm just saying, we if you can get Scotty to average twenty seven and seven, that's a really good career. Like Actually, we, I, I like the 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 Iguodala, uh comparison because again, there's a lot of similar you know similarities in not only in their games but in their, in their mentality. Iguodala back in in college, was never the guy. He was dealing with Luke Walton and uh, oh, someone else. I like, I like him. He got Shannon great Fry. memory. Yeah. 
and wanted to be kind of that that super glue player, that 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 guy that kept the, the offense humming. And Scotty runs a lot of the same way. We we need him to going forward get him to score the ball more. And I think with Toronto, that's got to be really what they look for in their next coach. But right now, I, I mean, I've seen five names floated around for the Raptors gig. I just and none of them are are, are, yeah. are, are are names that we really saw with the, with the other jobs. Well, yeah, because you guys did get cleaned out. I mean, we took Nick Nurse, the Bucks took Adrian Griffin, who was like your top assistant. So, like, mm-hmm. out of the names who are left, like, who's the person that you want running the ship? So, with Toronto right now, the names that I've seen are Sergio Scariolo, who is an assistant coach on the Raptors championship team. He's coaching... I believe in the Spanish League or in the Italian League. I okay. can't remember. I know he's Italian. Um, he would be interesting. You'd get kind of that, that FIBA-style ball, wide-open offenses, you know, a lot built on, you know, ball movement, playing as a team, which for a Raptors team that just had a whole bunch of guys that wanted to do ISO last year uh, would be a, a welcome change for most Raptors fans. Kenny Atkinson, uh, the former Nets head coach, who I do like took Atkinson. the job. I like Atkinson too. He got a raw deal. He got let go because he wanted to start Jared Allen over DeAndre Jordan. Um, which looking should've back at that, that now, yeah, <laughs> probably, kept that probably should have kept that man. Uh, hey, De- hey DeAndre like, Jordan's three wins away from me in the NBA champion. You know what? Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Atkinson would be great. He's obviously. Um, Steve Kerr's top assistant right now. That's a name that I would I would like to see. Um, I'm not sure he would lead the Warriors for the Raptors gig, to be honest. The other names I've seen are uh, King's top assistant and former Nuggets assistant, Jordy Fernandez. Um, and he, again, kind of uses that, you know, uh, pace and space and, and, and getting your best players in open space. Uh, I remember reading that one of his inspirations for coaching and how he tries to to coach at a you know for a basketball level is from Pep Guardiola, the Manchester City coach, where it's just how do I get my best players in the best situation? And he's got a former background because he was the Canton Charge uh, head coach, the Cavs G League affiliate, about six or seven years ago. So he's an interesting name. And then Darko Ryakovich, who is one of the assistants for the Memphis Grizzlies. So definitely going with a more European and ball, ball movement um, flavor for the next head coach. I'm just glad that we didn't see names like, you know, Steve Nash, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, you know, names that I, I was terrified of, of, of seeing. Uh, I would have liked to see David Adelman get a little bit more run, but I think with the Nuggets on their deep playoff run, uh, same with Chris Quinn. Those guys are kind of otherwise preoccupied. Yeah, I love Quinn. Um, I think Quinn is the next guy. I've been saying that for actually a couple years now. I know he's stuck in Miami. Um, and by stuck in Miami, it's just Spo is so legendary. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and I think we really underestimate how great Spo is. And I think the, the, he's these one playoffs, of the best coaches of all time. Oh, easily. And I think these playoffs are really showing haters that, okay. 
Spo was great because, you know, he had, you know, Wade and James. And no, Spo was always that dude. You know, we just didn't give him credit because the man had superstars. It's like, you know, when you have a coach that has superstars, you know, Mark Jackson fell under that. You know, yep. uh, Mark Jackson was a very good coach for Golden State, honestly. And, you know, it's the reason why I kind of dump on Steve Kerr just a touch. I think Steve Kerr is awesome. I think Steve Kerr will go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Also think Steve Kerr inherited an automatically great team. You just Absolutely. needed somebody who could actually put the X's and O's to all the nuts and bolts that's just randomly sorted in that off that roster. But that's what Kerr did. He organized you and, and brought you, you know, this fun-loving, you know, dy- dynastic offense. But Jackson was the, the, the architect. You know, um... I think what the Raptors need is they need that next guy. I don't think you need to, to be sexy. I don't think you need to, like, you know, shoot for any really cool names. Leave Steve Nash on the couch. Leave, you know, uh, um, Jordy Fernandez and Phoenix. To be honest, I, I, this is what I really think. I, I really think that you go after a Quinn or, you know, um, you go after, you know, and I really, you know, I'm just going to say this. It's a shame Kevin Ollie didn't get a job. Now, I understand Kevin Ollie's now an assistant with Boston, but – Listen, that would have been a call I would have made because Toronto is not going to win a chip for you the next three years. What you need is a coach who is going to be ready to grow with this team, not a coach who is coming in like, oh, yeah, well, my goal is to get them to the playoffs and then take them to the next you know, uh, level in the playoffs. No, you need a coach that's going to say, you know what, I look at Chris Boucher. I look at, you know, Scotty Barnes. I look at OG, I, you know, who honestly I don't know why we're not talking more about him. You know, or Pascal Siakam. They got pieces. They got legitimate mm-hmm. pieces. So we need a coach that thinks a lot like Nick Nurse, different, you know, and is player-centric, but also is young enough that can grow with this next iteration of what Toronto's going to look like. Because they still have, what, Masai, right? You still yep. got Masai in the front office, which means you still have arguably the best front office in the NBA. I'm, it's always going to be that because Masai has not ever lost his title. I don't care who, who you say. You can say Daryl Moore. You can say, you know, um, uh, dude in Golden State. Bob Myers. Yes, you can talk all that jazz. Masai has proven that that man has been the best GM over the last few years. With the guys he's drafted and developed. Staying back to Denver. Yes. Staying back to his time in Denver. Most definitely. So I think you don't get a sexy name as coach in, in Toronto. Get a name that, you know, I like the, the foreign route. I love the idea of, you know, maybe shooting in the FIBA, you know, leagues and, you know, going for a young, you know, guy who don't speak English. I'm, I'm just joking, but, like, you know, a guy who might need a translator for a year. You know, hey, the NBA needs something new. We don't need retreads. We don't need to keep giving D'Antoni's of the world shots. Should if I were David Blatt's at? Um, who? One, <laughs> <laughs> one name that, that I, I was a little surprised didn't get even mentioned with Toronto was – Sam Cassell. Oh, man. You know, and it hurts that Sammy's gone. It hurts that Sammy is gone. And it hurts even more. Where'd he go? Oh, Boston. Uh, Boston. Oh, you had to rub it in. Oh. Well, then again, like, Boston lost all of their, all of their staff to Houston. I don't care. Yeah. You took Sammy Cassell. Sammy deserves to be head coach. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm with y'all. Sam should have been the head coach this cycle he should have been either in toronto he should have been in phoenix he should have been somewhere he should have been in philly and don't get me wrong should have been in houston he got ties there i mean no 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 hold up hold up hold up hold up hold up nobody (laughs) no because let's be real houston was genius if ea was on that coaching market when milwaukee phoenix toronto philly all of these teams have openings there's no way in the world ema would have went to houston oh yeah no way 
Because Philly would have threw the book at Ime. Because Ime was a. I don't know. Have you been to Houston? I have. I'm just saying, there's a reason why he went to Houston. I love me some Houston. Boy, oh boy, the food and the culture is just un- <laughs> it's, it's undefeatable. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, him and the Alana boy together, you know. So. Oh, you know, I mean, listen, that might be the reason why James going back. There might be, you know, brothers. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like, you ain't going to find that in Milwaukee. <laughs> You're not going to find that in Milwaukee. But th- let's not trash Milwaukee because it's a short drive from Milwaukee, Chicago. I mean, it might be like five or six hours, but still. I mean, listen, 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 I'd rather be in the city as opposed to me having to drive That out. is true, but we also <laughs> said the same thing about Nick, right? Because Nick had his choice. Like, you know, Adrian Griffin only got Milwaukee's job because Nick pulled out. You know, um, ah, yeah, like, because the, 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 the reality was Nick pulled I, I, out I, before Adrian. I'm about to say, I'm about to say Giannis Adrian. requested him. They, Giannis requested him, but let's be real about something. It's the same way with Daryl Morey and the Joel Embiid thing. When Daryl said, listen, our guys are, you know, they're going to have some say. They're going to talk. They're going, we're going to have conversations. But we're not going to let them choose who we choose as next coach. I, this whole LeBron thing that is cloud in the NBA, don't get me wrong. I'm all for player empowerment. Players shouldn't choose coaches. That's like, that's like me going back and saying I want to choose a different mommy or a different daddy to raise me. No. Like – in the, in, in the game, this is your job. This is your career. You show up, you get millions on millions on millions to show up and ball out. You, you are an employee for my corporation. I don't care what nobody tells me. You can be black, you can be white, you can be a sports fan, or you cannot. You still play for the man. The man makes his decisions to win chips. If they think that Nick Nurse is a better chip than Adrian Griffin, I don't care about Giannis's ego or his feelings. You're going to sit at home, you're going to collect that check I just wrote for you, and you're going to come to training camp, and you're going to be fine because you're just a prima donna. Like, I love Adrian Griffin, and I think he's going to be a dope coach. But let's be real about something. Nick Nurse is a better coach. And if Milwaukee had the shot to get Nick, Phoenix had the shot to get Nick, and Philly had the shot to get Nick, Nick pulled out of Milwaukee because he realized, one, I don't want to dump on the fact that me and Adrian are going for the same job. Two, two better destinations are out there as far as roster construction as Philly and Phoenix. Now the choice is, would I choose? And you know he wanted Philly just for the Daryl Morey tie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And now we find out it wasn't just for Daryl Morey. It, well, we all knew this. Like, anytime you have a bona fide MVP, your coach is going to come for your MVP. They're not coming for, you know, listen, I love Tyrese. Tyrese is a god. But Tyrese ain't the god yet. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you're coming for the guy that you know. You know, so mm-hmm. Nick was choosing between KD, Giannis, and Embiid. I'm choosing Embiid. You know, Giannis is great. But you're about to lose Middleton. You're about to lose Lopez. What does your team look like now? You know, Phoenix is great, but KD don't stay healthy. Chris Paul is descending. Devin Booker's your only real guy. They got about two and a half guys there in Phoenix. Literally. Now you got Philly. And DeAndre Hayden don't want to be there. No, he doesn't. He, <laughs> they should have left him in Indiana instead of, re, instead of matching the, the, the trade off. The, the I, I said that last sheet. year. Sign and trade, Miles Turner, just, and just be done with it. Ex- oh, my God. Miles Turner would have been an ex- exponentially better in Phoenix's team <laughs> than De- DeAndre Ayton. Who, who are you telling? <laughs> and, and honestly, it's not even that I don't like Ayton. I just think Ayton is literally a crybaby. You know, at this point, he's a crybaby. But going back to the coaching, you know, it's like Nick chose. Nick had a choice, and he chose Philly for Joel yeah. and, you know, um, and, and Daryl. You know, um, Adrian got, you know, Giannis got his wish. He got Adrian. Phoenix. Who Frank Vogel. 
Frank Vogel, obviously, he's a consolation. Frank Vogel's everybody's consolation. I know he's a good coach, but he's everybody's consolation. He was the Lakers' consolation. He won a chip with them, but he wasn't their first choice. We listen, remember listen, that. Listen, we, listen, the Suns just got him to make sure, like, listen, this is the defensive case we need you to do. Right. We don't need you to worry about the offense. Right. Because we got two guys who, at full healthy, can get you at least 60 a night between the two. And Chris Paul mm-hmm. can just run everything else. So if I'm Toronto, I'm dipping up in one of those great teams, their coaching banks. Exactly. Uh, San Antonio. I, everybody who's ever come on the spo, uh, pop has been good. Brett Brown. Brett Brown was good. <laughs> Brett Brown was good. Like, I think we dog him a little bit too much because he got, he got shackled with the process years. But Brett Brown improved our team every single year. And by the time it was time for us to contend, we just got impatient and decided we wanted to sacrifice. I was going to say that. Honestly, it wasn't the fact that he was overwhelmed. It was the fact that you guys just went a little bit too early. Because when you look at that time, like, we won 52 games, and the Sixers and Boston were both on the same trajectory when it comes to the young talent. Right, right. You tr- essentially traded with all your assets to now win now as opposed to being patient and letting the other guys develop the same way Boston did. Well, we all know that's the NBA's fault. I mean, everybody know the reason why Philly is I mired mean, it, it, in the, yeah, where yeah. they are now is because it's the NBA fault. Yeah, but, Adam yeah, Silver but, could not stand the fact that – this is the thing about that, Chris, is the fact that we're watching OKC do exactly what Philadelphia did eight years ago. We're watching, you know, the Spurs, uh, the Spurs do what – Philly did eight years ago, but it was so it was so tabooed in for us to sell our pieces off and to just commit to being bad because being bad is the only way to grow. I can't believe they're making Philadelphia fans watch watch this. They're not making us watch anything. We enjoyed the process years. Tony, I Rodin, missed, I missed those I missed six dollar tickets. Years. six dollar tickets. Nine game, nine win game seasons. Yes, our team was the worst. Our team was horrible. Everybody in the world talked bad about us, but we had number one picks. Galore. We had Cap Galore. We had a good coach. We had a great GM who God knows the fact that we fired that man and he never GM'd again makes me even more, more loathing of Adam Silver. Because it's just like you prevented Philly from being what they knew they was going to be. Sam Hinkie literally probably went to sleep and dreamt about Golden State before Golden State became Golden State. And then Adam was like, no, 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 no. We're not allowing that. So... Where they're at now, where you see an OKC, San Antonio, reap the same process results that we got shunned for, we had to give up our coach for, our GM for. I mean, and Houston's doing the same thing. Houston's only doing the same thing because Utah's they, doing the same thing also. Utah is the one I'll give you. Houston, not so much, because Houston without James was never good. <laughs> you get me? But, like, without James, they were never good, bro. Like... You can go back. Tracy, Tracy days, Yao Ming days. They were overachievers every year. Listen, I'm going to be honest. I, I'll take it to the grave. Yao Ming is the most overachieving, overrated center of all time. The man's height is what got him in the, in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to leave it there. Okay. Outside of that. But, but back to oh, – uh, but Mike, back to Nick Nurse. Um, what do you think contributes to him? Because that was one of the most confusing things I read. I'm just like, this guy won your championship like a few years ago. You took Boston to seven games in the bubble, even with Pascal Siakam struggling and a six-foot backcourt with Kyle Lowry and Red Van Fleet. So what do you think was the was the reason for the call and the cause for Nick Nurse eventually being dismissed from the team? So I kind of broke this down when when you reached out to me about, about doing this, was kind of, you know, what the sixes are getting, the pros of Nick Nurse and the cons of Nick Nurse. And I think before I get into that, I'll, I'll answer your question about, the, you know, what led to this. Just the the 
the message had run stale. There was a lot of just one-man show on offense where, all right, cool, let's take 20 seconds to set up an offensive play, and then it's an ISO for Fred or Gary or Siakam, and it just it bogged everything down, and the message just ran stale. I remember listening to Howard Beck saying at, around the trade deadline that the front office believed that the season could be turned around, but the and the coaching staff believed that the season could be turned around, but the players just didn't care anymore, and it's Sometimes that happens where just he's been there for four years, five years, won a title, but since then, bubble, we had Siakam, you know, with his struggles, team made it out of the first round, got bounced in the second. Then the Tampa year, everybody in Toronto wants to forget the Tampa year ever took place. That that season did not actually exist. And then last season, or is it 21-22, you know, going down 3 nothing to Philly, really just it pissed the team off and then when this year came around just when there was hardship players just didn't want it they started tuning them out and Nick himself got very frustrated uh one thing that that Raptors fans noticed was the bench players and the role players they had extremely short leashes Nick was clashing with Gary Trent in the media about uh, defensive effort and Gary's Gary finished second on the team in steals, and Nick was in the media talking about, "Oh yeah, he's not playing. He's not going to play as much today because I don't like the defense." And like that is how Gary Trent was finding out that he wasn't starting in certain games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malachi Flynn had a stretch where he shot thirty-five percent from three, which for Malachi Flynn is pretty good. Uh, then he went zero of four, and then we didn't see him for a month. Uh, mismanagement in terms of the the two-way players when you're sitting in ninth, 10th place. You want to see what you have in those two-way players. And Masai Ujiri is giving him Jeff Doughton Jr., who's trying on both both ends of the floor when he's in. And we're seeing his NBA, get, his NBA days get used up very quickly with a whole lot of DNP coach decisions. And they ended up not signing him because Nick didn't give him enough run. Delano Banton was someone where – as a rookie, everyone kind of thought, well, maybe he's going to be that kind of off-the-ball guy. But because Nick and the coaching staff didn't work with how to best use him for the team, Banton would play 10 minutes and then not be seen for three weeks. So my concern with Nick is with a team like Philly where Embiid gets banged up a lot and because of the style of play, you know, whether you agree with his style of play and how he gets those fouls or not, and Harden, who's going to be 34, you're going to have a lot of games where no matter what, you might see Embiid and Harden pulling 40 minutes. Because I can say there were games where the Raptors won by 13 points where Siakam and Van Vliet and Gary Trent are pulling 40-plus minute nights. Short bench, short leashes. Uh, now, you're going to get early buy-in with that. Like, especially, like you said, Daryl Morey connection. Nurse was the head coach of Rio Grande Valley before joining the Raptors. There's a Houston connection there trying to, to keep you know, James Harden on board. And you're going to get the most out of these guys defensively, which might see an improvement defensively for Harden in terms of effort. Or Maxi, someone who's young and a great offensive player, but 
he's lagging a little bit behind defensively. Nick's the right coach for him to get the most out of that. I think that, all in all, this is a pretty – I like the, the fit. I worry about, again, the minutes, but, again, I think a lot of it comes down to who he brings with him, and I can almost guarantee that his top assistant is going to be Nate Bjorkren, who was the assistant here, then went to Indiana. The less said about his stint as head coach of Indiana, the better. Then came back. Bjorkren and, and Nurse are longtime friends. That's almost a given at this point. I'd also think that for in terms of defensive coaches, don't be surprised if Earl Watson is brought on. Mm. That's, a, that's a name I ain't heard since he played. Yeah, he was the head coach of the Suns. Then he went to NBA TV, and then he resurfaced a couple years ago on Toronto's bench. Yeah, I mean, I like I like the idea of um, Earl Watson being a defensive minded coach. I mean, honestly, I don't dislike the idea of them retaining Dan Burke, uh, who's currently, you know, um, I would I would assume Dan Burke would be the preferred method. There's been some some reports about the relationship between Watson and Nurse lately, but if Given the choice between Dan Burke and Earl Watson, I'm going to take Dan Burke, who's been a defensive specialist for hey, 20 plus right. years. Hey, we was two on, we was two on under Coach Burke uh, when I doc had COVID. So, hey, listen, I am all for. Listen, we need a stable of coaches who Joel Embiid has talked trash on. We got Nick Nurse; <laughs> he's talked trash about him. We got Dan Burke; he's talked trash about him. I know you remember those Indiana days where Dan Burke said, "I literally hate that guy." And Joel destroy Indiana the next few times, like only to join him. So, give me an all coach lineup of just coaches that Joel talk trash about, because it seems like Joel literally respects guys he gasses on. You know, mm-hmm. like think about it. You know, Joel, like even his fuse with players in the NBA. You know, uh, uh, Drummond. You know, um, not Turner or Whiteside because they got destroyed in obscurity. Like, we've not heard about neither one of them since they're like, Whiteside was a legitimately good player, then Joel got his hands on him, and now we don't know what happened to Whiteside. But outside of that, whoever Joel talks trash about, it seems like, you know, he eventually learns to respect the heck out of him. So I love the nurse hire. I mean, one, I loved nurse when he was in Toronto. I'm not a Toronto fan just because of the Kawhi shot. Not anything outside of that, because you have no Philly fan has a reason to dislike Toronto. <laughs> like, oh, I did. I'm and I kind of like him now because you guys got rid of Kyle Lowry. <laughs> oh well, yeah, uh, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Lowry. Again, I've never disliked Toronto. I love Toronto when they had Vince Carter. I love Toronto when they had Tracy. I love Toronto. You know when they came into the league. I like. I just like Toronto. I love Nick Nurse. I remember we talked about how much we love Nick Nurse and couldn't stand Doc Rivers. So the fact that we got Nick Nurse, you know, I mean, it gives me little giddy butterflies to think what's going to happen. But you know, we definitely like he's going to need some guys to come on at least defensively to really yeah. round that team out. Yeah, I um, think one name that you could because I do have to run shortly. One name that I could. See Nurse bringing in just to help with Maxi and that backcourt. He's not tied to any team right now. Is Nick Van Exel? Just a part of the of the uh, Atlanta coaching staff under Nate McMillan, but that coaching staff's been turned over entirely due to Quinn Snyder. I wouldn't be shocked to see someone maybe like a Nick Van Exel. I would love uh, Nick Van Exel absolutely. in Philadelphia and uh, and Allen Iverson. Yeah, <laughs> Mike. Uh, two last, qu- two more questions before we gotta let you go. In regards to sure. 
player development. Uh, Nick Nurse had a lot to do with uh, Siakam's development, Van Fleet's development. How do you think in regards to the young players here, like, you know, Maxi, Paul Reed, uh, you know, Jaden Springer, if he finally gets time to actually. Oh, he's going to get some time. So, like, how do you think, like, he'll be able to do with him and his assistants will be able to do in that department in terms of developing some of these young players? I think so. Actually, one thing I'll say is Nick gets a lot of credit for Pascal Siakam and his development, and that there's an extent to that. I think a lot of the credit goes with Nick and Fred to their days being able to go back and forth with the Raptors in the 905, which that coaching staff was actually Patrick Matumbo, who's one of the assistants in Phoenix, and Jerry Stackhouse, who's at, uh, who's at Vandy. Uh, but he has been known to give guys, at least prior to this year, extra run. We tried a lot with guys like Malachi Flynn, and this year we didn't see so much. So I think a lot of that was that Nick had one foot out the door by the end. But someone like Jaden Springer, I could see being a lot like a Malachi Flynn uh, for Philly in that like he's going to get maybe – five to ten minutes a game for, like, two to three weeks, and he's got to show Nick something, or you will see him just stable to the bench. Someone like Paul Reed, I could see him absolutely loving because Reed's just going to rebound, and he's a half-decent passer. He plays pretty good defense, and that's exactly what Nick needs. He doesn't really need a backup big that can shoot. He just wants someone that can rebound. And I could see him absolutely loving, loving Paul Reed. Uh, the rest of, of the, the young guys, it's, again, Nick has in the last couple of years just been known for, you know, you get five minutes to show me. And if I don't like what I see, I don't know when your next opportunity is. So that's one thing I'll, I will caution for six. Okay. And one last question before I, I let you guys go. I bet before I let you go. Have you, got, have you forgiven Vince Carter yet? <laughs> what for the for the graduation? <laughs> oh no, for like oh for leaving Toronto. Oh, just in general. Yeah. Oh, just just in general. Yes, the city of Toronto has stopped booing Vince Carter. Uh, <laughs> Vince is beloved again. Um, yeah, that was a situation that was just ugly, and it didn't need to be ugly. Um, there's been documentaries made here in Canada that have run where it's talked with Brian Colangelo and Vince Carter and given Sean more light on what was going on. And it was very much a, well, we have Chris Bosch. He's our guy now. You're going to be his number two. And Vince, who was still in his prime, did not want to do that. And I don't blame him. <laughs> Actually, Chris Bosch is probably more disliked in Toronto than Vince Carter is. Well, that, I mean, this, I give him that. I'll give Toronto that. <laughs> there is already there was talks uh, last year about you know when could Chris Bosh's number be retired, and if you looked on Raptors Twitter, the overwhelming response is, "Why would we retire for for you know for Chris Bosh? Just wait two decades when we retire it for Scotty." <laughs> that's bad. Well, that's cold. That is cold. Like <laughs> Chris Bosh was actually really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's some revisionist history with that one, but he's going through what, what, what Vince went through back in, like, the, you know, 2008, 2009. I think even though Bosch is retired, he's still getting that hate. Yeah. Uh, so, 
basically coming soon, you'll eventually retire Kyle Lowry's number. And what about DeMar DeRozan? I would say we'll pro- like Kyle's definitely going to get his jersey retired the moment he retires. I have a feeling he'll probably sign a one-day contract when he's done to retire a Toronto Raptor. Um, DeRozan, I would imagine the same thing. Those, those bridges have been, have been mended. Uh, there was a long time where Masai and DeMar DeRozan were not talking, and it was mm. odd seeing the Raptors get eliminated because the same, same kid that used to count down the shot clock every time at home DeMar DeRozan's daughter is the reason why the Raptors didn't make the playoffs this year. Got distracted by a nine-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Mike, it, it's been great talking to you, man. And yes, sir. Can you t- tell the people where they can find you at. So you can find me on uh, Twitter. Oh, God, I just realized I'm going to have to spell out my name on, on your show. Because uh, <laughs> when I covered the, NBA, the NFL draft, I used to just be Mike H underscore draft. Now you can find me at Mike Hernation, which is Mike the way you would normally spell it, and then H-R-Y-N-Y-S-H-Y-N. Oh, man. All right, all right. It's great to hear from you, Mike. Uh, like, once again, we appreciate you taking the time to do this. No and, worries. Thanks for having me on. And like I said, the invitation is always, always open for you to come back. Yes, sir. All right. Appreciate it, guys. All right, man. Take it easy. Take care. Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYND, running back sports show, sports for the culture. If you want to call to join the discussion, the number is 215-763-9596. We are now at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. 7 o'clock. On the dot. <laughs> I don't have no drop top. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. But yeah, I like Mike. I do like Mike. Mike, you are a good dude, my brother. Yeah. You are a good dude. And I wish you and the city of Toronto outside of Drake all the love <laughs> in the world. <laughs> and... You know I got to get to Toronto. I heard they yeah. got I heard they got a vibe up there it too. Is. I I got to get my passport and get up there, man. Yeah, I'm with you on there. I'm yeah. definitely with you on there. I need to get to Canada, period. Like Yeah. Then I get, yeah, then I got Toronto came from my first stop. I promised my friend who lives in Winnipeg that if I ever go to Toronto, I'll visit her first. First off, I'm be real with you. If you go to Canada, don't go to Toronto first. Like if she's in Winnipeg, I'm going there first anyway. Yeah. Toronto is like New York. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's the place everybody goes when they go to Canada. It's like, oh, I went to America. Where you go? New York? Of course you did. Yeah. You know, you go to Toronto or you go to Canada. It's like, where you go? I went to Toronto. Of course you did. Yeah. And 7 o'clock, that means I got now less than five hours to decide if I want to spend $40, while well, it's at $40 right now, on NFL Sunday tickets for this upcoming season. Man, you better than me. You are better Listen, than me. All I'm saying is that this might be the best NFL season in regard quarterback wise. Probably with the exception of like Tampa Bay and like Arizona, who have no hope at that position at all. But just I'm just a fan of the young talent that is within the NFL right now, man. Listen, obviously we got our guy Jalen. Uh you look at the AFC, uh, you know, obviously the Sabbath stars like Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, Lawrence, Justin Herbert. And you know, even some of the young guys, you know, my you know, my, my boy from Ohio State, Justin Fields, you know, my other boy who who's now the rookie in Houston, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young. I'm actually interested to see how Bryce Young's gonna do I in Houston. I am very interested in the in the young quarterbacks. Like 
uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Be real. I'm really, ex- I'm really interested in Will Levis too. Yeah. Je- you know, I mean, and granted, I mean, yes. For all that you don't know, Anthony Richardson I'm a also. Stater, but it's not about you know. I see. My thing is with Anthony Richardson. I just think he's golden. Like I don't want to put it on him yet. I just don't want to speak on it yet. You know, you get what I'm saying. Like certain things, it's like you, it's like you feel it. But I'm gonna leave it there. Like I had a feeling about Deshaun. You know, I mean, granted, I watched Clemson, so I think everybody thought Deshaun was gonna be great. But I had a feeling Except about for Deshaun. Chicago, right? I had a feeling about Deshaun. I just felt like you know when Deshaun really gets his, he really gets his show out. He was gonna show out. I think Anthony Richardson is gonna be two years away. I think right now, I think he's gonna be like. But he has the right coach right now. Oh, he has the he, perfect coach. Yeah, because he has the guy that had a hand in Jalen Hurts. right? Yes. Yeah, he has the perfect coach. I mean, I mean, all the other news is RPO it all day. <laughs> you have you have a great running back. Yeah, a really good offensive line. Really good offensive line. Your wide receivers ain't horrible. Uh, your defense is okay. Uh, but the the big thing is you'll be protected. You know, Steichen is a wizard. You know, um, I think. He's going to do a lot of great things with Richardson. I really see Richardson having like a Cam Newton style of type of effect. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, but I think it's two years away. But I do think he's bona fide gold. I do. I think he was the most sure. I think he was the most sure pick in the draft, to be honest, outside mm-hmm. of Jalen Carter. I, th- I think that with that man's build, his physical um, talents, his arm, and the fact that he played. There's something about Florida. Like, I, I, I don't. I, I know, I know, Tebow, you know, but there's something about Florida for me. I just feel like, you know, Florida guys don't get love. And then when they come in the league, they show out for a little bit. I mean, bit. Florida guys be wilding also. They, they really do. <laughs> they really do. But Anthony Richardson, you know, he seemed like a good dude. His, his, his brother, on the other hand, is like 12 years old with a neck tattoo and sound like an 80-year-old. But Anthony Richardson sound like, I really do think he about to be that dude. Like, I do. I think he about to be that dude. And I like Bryce Young in um, Carolina. I think Carolina's going to be a lot better than um, than people think. Yeah, that's what I think so, too. And that was one of the questions uh, that I got yesterday for uh, the, uh, the our mailbag segment. Let me bring this up real quick. Is where do you feel the Carolina Panthers will finish this year if they stay healthy? Seventh. Oh, so you have them, like, as a playoff team. Maybe. Oh, yes. I, I, I See, again – I get it. Like, I don't want to be that dude. Like, there's just certain feelings I got this year. Like, you know, just like I put a gun in my head. He was going back to Super Bowl. I don't care. Like, I it just I just don't see anything touching him. You know, but once we get like Joy Taylor said it recently. You know, what's the separation look like? You got the Eagles, and then what? You know, so your tier is Eagles, Cowboys, 49ers, However you want to do that. Outside of that, then you got the Seahawks, and then you know Detroit, Detroit and then you know. Um, any other team, Green Bay. I, I don't want to hate on Green Bay. But when you talk about teams that I really think is going to surprise the heck out of people, Carolina stands above all of them. Their team wasn't terrible last year. They were a quarterback away. Um, I agree. Miles Sanders is a great running back. We're not going to let him walk out of Philadelphia and all-star start crapping on him. We're not about to do that, Philly. We're not about to do that, NFL. Like, let's be real about something. Even though I love DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny more than I love the, the idea of Miles okay, Sanders. That's Philly Swift now. Philly Swift. You're right. Agent zero. The, but the reality is, them two combined last year still didn't equal Miles' production. Miles is a great running back. I think he will be great in Carolina. Carolina got a good O-line. Carolina got good wide receivers. Carolina is a really good young team. 
if Bryce Young can see above the offensive lineman, and it can, I'm being a jokester, but if he can actually throw the ball and erase the same doubts we had about Russell coming out of, you know, out of college, then I do believe that Carolina is going to be that seventh team this year. I do. I think Carolina and Green Bay is the, se- is the last two teams in the playoffs, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Okay. In regards to division-wise, I think the a- NFC South is probably the worst division in all of football coming this year. But that being said, they can easily – I don't see seven. They can – I do agree with that, but I think they can win the division this year. Carolina? But, yeah. I, I agree with you. I just, I because just don't want to be like, that dude. Yeah, because to me, it either comes down to either how much you believe in Bryce Young – or how much you believe in the accommodated talent surrounding Desmond Ritter and Atlanta to counteract the fact that Desmond Ritter is not that good of a quarterback. You don't think he's that good? I, I just I can't buy into him yet. I can't either, but I feel like he hasn't done anything for me not to like him. Yeah, you but, feel me? Yeah, but here's the thing. Uh, I like the fit. I, li- I like Arthur Smith's scheme in regards to what Desmond Ritter's doing because he's just black Ryan Tannehill. Uh, B. John Robinson is an absolute stud. I feel like he's probably going to be the first running back taken in probably everybody's fantasy draft this year. Drake London, Kyle Pitts are really good security blankets for him. And you improve that offensive line. More importantly, they're deep. People haven't really been paying attention. They've improved their defense. Jesse Bates is now over there right now by playing safety. They traded for Jeff Okuda, who's a former first-round pick. And now him and A.J. Terrell are now there. Yeah, that Okuda pick. Scares me just because I know he didn't perform in Detroit, but that man's still a top four. Yeah. Like, then you're right. You got Jesse Bates, who, let's be honest, like, I would have loved Jesse Bates in Philly. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they got they got a really yeah. young squad. Yeah. So, like, but also at the same time, it's like I can't ignore, like, what Ca- what Carolina has as well. It's like Adam Thielen's a really good veteran hand to have. Miles Sanders, for whatever for whatever people think about him, is a good steady running back when he's fully healthy. Right. And their defense is nothing really to slouch at either. Derrick Brown, Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn. Like, those are some studs on defense as well. I, I used to be the biggest Baker Mayfield apologist, but, oh, my God, like Tampa Bay is such a train wreck right now. I can't even – I don't – they don't even exist in my I mind. get what you're saying, but Tampa Bay still got goons in all the right positions. You still got Devin. Until you get rid of Devin – you still got Devin. All right, but here's the thing. Do you win- still got uh, Evans. You still got um, uh, uh, Russell Gage. Uh, right. Like, but my thing is, is this. They went 8-9 and nine last year with Tom Brady playing the way he did. You're not going to get that same kind of close to that same production with Baker Mayfield. So that's going to be a net. That's going to be a net negative for them. I agree, but I, I don't. I think it'll be a net negative in a quarterback position, but I think that team was terrible last year. Yeah. I think that team underperformed everywhere. Like, even Devin White had an off year. I think that team underperformed right rear. So, if they show up, they can make the playoffs. The NFC's weak, bro, and we know this. Like, we're not going to sugarcoat it. Like, I'm looking at the squads in the NFC right now. There ain't many teams that excites me. There are not many teams that I feel like if we went into the playoffs with, I'm like, oh, maybe, no, not at all. Arizona, no. Atlanta, no. Carolina, they'll be okay. Chicago, still a year away, but I, I like Justin Fields a lot. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with them. Uh, Dallas is Dallas. Detroit, like them a lot. Green Bay, I'm really high on Jordan Love. Um, yeah, I'm curious to see how that works out, too. I, yeah, I'm, I, I, Jordan Love just looked really good in very, very small sample size. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is that like when Jordan Love was coming out, like 
there were some Patrick Mahomes comparisons for him when he was coming out. Also, he was a first round pick. Yeah, like why do we people why why do we act like this kid is a slouch? Like be, because, he did the because, same thing Aaron Rodgers did. To I'm about to say. I'm about to say like because A Rod overseed his welcomeness so that people really forgot like how good Jordan Love was potential wise coming out. No, I could told I totally get. And you the that. funny thing is that Green Bay could all all of his purposes could win this could win the NFC North also. My, that's my point. Like, because who did they really lose outside of a uh, Randall Old Man Cobb? They lost a and, and Aaron Rock. <laughs> yeah, like they lost guys that ain't that great. No, no, no I'm sorry, Lazar. I'm not hating. Like, I'm not a hater, but Lazar doesn't wow me. Like, you only got you only went to New York because Aaron wanted you. Like, outside of that, and that's, and that's you a, real. The only pl- position they really lost out was quarterback, and I would argue Jordan Love will be just as good. Not not just good as. Peak Aaron Rodgers, but what Aaron Rodgers is now, yes, I think he'll be just as good. And I think that that's like because now that Aaron Rodgers is gone, it's like Lafleur actually has a guy that I feel like he can go into the film room and bounce off ideas, and actually have a guy that's precipitatory in terms of the information that he's going to be giving. Right, right. I totally agree with you there. Like you know, you'll have a you'll have a more impressionable mind, but he also can do the same things Aaron can do. Uh-huh. He's mobile. You know, is is he gonna wow you like Lamar? Heck no. But he can do. He, can, right, he can move. You have a really good as long as Batiari is good. You have a great offensive line, a good dynamic duo running back in Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Come Coleman. on, that Rome. running back. Oh, they're, they're, he's bad. He's they got some bad running backs. Yeah, bro. like Romeo Romeo Dobbs is good. Really good rookie year. If Christian Watson can fix the drops, that's your deep threat. And you have a really now you have a really good. Oh, they lost Robert Tunyon though, but. For what I've been hearing, like their rookie Luke Musgrave's been really impressive in camp. Okay, so shoot, man, I'll buy some Jordan Love stock. Listen, I'm not even gonna hold you, bro. I don't even bet. I don't like. I have. I used to, you know, used to be a problem, but I don't even bet. But going into this year, I'm gonna throw some money behind some under some under teams. Like Green Bay gonna be one of them mm-hmm. because I just really feel like people are not. Nobody's paying attention to Green Bay. And I think Green Bay is going to sh- – because LaFleur is not a bad coach. And he's I think not. people forget that. And I think he's going to shock a lot of people. Um, 49ers are the 49ers. And I know a lot of people are like – I don't know why people are down on the 49ers. This is the second best team in the NFC by far. I don't care what nobody said. Their defense and their offense are both better than Dallas and any other team outside the of The only question that I have in regards to the 49ers is that – The quarterback. Yeah. That's it. Can Brock but they got back? three good quarterbacks. Do you have three – Superstar quarterbacks? No, but you have three good quarterbacks. You got Brock Purdy who played really well. So I'm I would I would think his floor is at least what he played like. He didn't play that great last year. He he played well enough so the talent around him can keep him winning. Um Sam Darnold he's like Sam Bradford. Like, you know, he just it's like you see something there, you just don't think it'll ever pan out. And then Trey Lance, I'll be real with you. I was higher on Trey Lance than almost everybody. Yeah. I think Trey Lance has a future. I don't know why people are not paying attention to Trey Lance. Because the man got hurt in one game. Yes, you're like, oh, he didn't play that great in like two games. Man, get out of here. Jalen Hurst didn't play that great for like two years. But look at Jalen Hurst in his third year. Yeah. But if the, but from what I've been reading, Brock Purdy is on pace to come back and expected to be the starter. And if that's the case, then like. I don't agree with that, though. Yeah. I think Trey Lance should be the starter. I think you invested a number three, number two overall pick on him, and you never gave him a fair shake. You're giving Brock Purdy a shake just for the simple fact of what Brock Purdy did in those eight or nine games. And you don't get me wrong, sensational. But, again, I would argue that the reason why I was sensational, Chris, is because 
San Fran is deep in every single position, just like Philadelphia. Now, am I saying that if Jalen Hurts went down, we would be just as good? Heck no. We've seen that with Gardner Minshew. But the reality is you put Trey Lance in a lineup with a Debo and a Christian McCaffrey and you utilize that mobility with, with uh, Brandon IU, Like, that team could be scary. And their defense is still their defense. They're still, the, if not the best defense in the NFL. So – Philly and San Fran are the only two teams that really are doing something for me, like chemically. Dallas, again, is Dallas. Listen, but I, all I, the other I said, teams. Listen, I said this a few weeks ago. Seattle has something brewing, man. I like. I just, you know, the same questions you have about San Fran, same questions I have about Seattle. What the quarterback? Yeah, like listen, I love Geno. I mean, I love the story of Geno. Like, come back, Geno, yeah. Can't believe he came back after years of obscurity to do something. Now we're like, Geno's that guy. But Geno got to do it for more than one year, right? Because yeah. outside of that, like, let's be real. He's never done anything. So that last year, to me, is yeah, but an it's also the first. Yeah, but it's also the first time he's been in, a, in an environment that actually empowers him. Okay, I can give you that because he didn't have that in New York. So I can totally give you that. Um, and Pete Carroll's a much better quarterback uh, coach, so I can give yeah, you that too. Yeah, and not to mention like Kenneth Walker, they improved their offensive Monster. Line. And yeah. they got two monster wide receivers. Yeah. And their defense is what scares me. <laughs> Quandre. Uh, uh, who else they get? They got – Tariq Woolen. They got my man back. Devin, uh, Devon Witherspoon. Come on. And then they then they brought back uh, Wax. Yeah. Like, their defense, like, it may not be Legion of Boom, but it might be Legion of Boom, Boom, Boom. Yeah. And let me, let me pose you this question. Bes- besides Cincinnati, can you name me a better three-man wide receiver group than D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba? No, it would have been Philly if Quez not crapped the bed last year. Um No, Um, honestly, but at the same time, that's all speculation, right? Because I don't know what – Jacob is going to be like we all assume he's going to be great because he was great in college and Ohio State wide receivers generally they just pan out like they're 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 like Penn State for linebackers right like you know they just churn out wide receivers so you think that you know Jackson's going to be really good um I think that honestly you might be right I don't know if there's a three better wide receivers in the league outside of Cincinnati next to Seattle I'm really trying to think about that. The next closest team would be – it would have been Cleveland, but they got rid of all their guys. Yeah, so, yeah, you're right. It Seattle has probably the deepest three wide receivers next to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But, again, Cincinnati's proven, though. Like, you proved their three guys are bomb. Like, T, Tyler, Chase, and Tyler. Um, Seattle, you only got – no, no, I'm sorry. You only got one guy. <laughs> I hate to say that. You got two guys. You only got one guy. Lock it. I love Metcalf. God knows. But Metcalf drops a lot of balls. Um, He's great when he wants to be, but then he's not great when he don't want to be. So, yeah, I'm not – in theory, Seattle has just as good of a three-wide receiver group as Cincinnati. But DK has not proven to me what AJ proves to me every game. DK don't prove to me what Devontae proves to me every game. You know, like, he hasn't taken that leap since his rookie season. Would you disagree with that? Yeah. So, like, in theory, you're right. But 
DK in reality has not done what we expected him to do. DK is the most dominant wide receiver body in the NFL. There's nobody built like him. Nobody can jump like him. Nobody can run like him at his size. It makes no sense why he's not the best wide receiver in the league. It doesn't. Shout out Justin Jefferson. You're still the best. I'm not going to hate on you. Wait, hold on. What did you say about Justin Jefferson? No, I say he's still the best. I'm not going to hate on him. Justin Jefferson? Yeah. He's still he's the best wide receiver in the league. Like, I'll be real, bro. Like, you know, and I hated to say that last year. You remember me hating to say that. But the man got two years of just straight monster work to pad the argument that he's the best in the league, at least at this point. You know, when he came in the league, no, he wasn't the best. But since he's been in the league, he has been the best. DeAndre Hopkins was the best, but DeAndre Hopkins wasn't he- healthy the last couple of years. Um, Devontae Adams was the best, but Devontae Adams had Derek Carr last year. Um, who's the best wide receiver outside of Justin? Nobody. Tariq. Who? Cheetah. Who? I love Cheetah. He's not better than Jefferson. I love Cheetah. He's not better than Jefferson. I'm sorry. Did Justin Jefferson ever get 200 yards in, like in, in one quarter? Yeah. Did Justin Jefferson have two throw into him or Kirk Cousins? Who's a better quarterback? Who's they're, a better quarterback? They're both in the same team. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, I love you, Chris, but I don't like you know. I'm not a Kirk man. Like Kirk is just a slinger. He's not even a gunslinger. He's just a slinger. He's yeah, just throwing. But the whole thing about the Tua and Kirk Cousins thing is like, how, how many games are you actually getting through Tua? No, that's true. Tua is literally one concussion away from being retired. One more really good concussion, you got to retire that man. Yeah. The man had a seizure on the field, and they tried to play him the next week. But Cheetah, Cheetah has the – Cheetah's been blessed, bro, to have the best deep ball thrower every year he's been in the league. Patrick Mahomes and Tua. Can't argue with that. And Cheetah's just a muscled version of Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> He's the fastest guy by far, but he also breaks tackles. So as long as you can throw the ball beyond the, the defender, Cheetah's going to destroy you. Justin Jefferson does it everywhere. Everywhere. Inside, outside, slide. X, Y, backfield. Like, he's breaking tackles. He's killing these roots. He's high-pointing a ball. Like, there ain't nothing that boy ain't doing. The only thing he's bad at is grittying. The only thing he's bad at is grittying. Josh Jefferson, hate to say it, because I got two wide receivers. Mike got the best gritty in the league. Who? Mike Gusecki. Who? <laughs> First <laughs> off, nobody has a better gritty than my quarterback. But the fact that you said that that man had – I know you're joking, but the fact that you said that Mike Jacecki has the best gritty, when that gritty was so cringeworthy that I couldn't even watch the full That's thing. why it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Lord. Like He's high-stepping and high-skipping also, man. Like, that takes talent. I am really disappointed that uh, he's not a Philadelphia Eagle, by the way. It's just talking about in general or, like, well, we didn't draft him? No, like, right now, I don't care about us not drafting him, but the man was a perfect number two tight end for us. I don't dislike the number two tight end we got, Dan Arnold or whatever the heck he is. But Jasicki is a, is a touchdown machine. Throw it up. <laughs> Boy, the ball coming down with him. He just don't stay healthy. But I'm cool with that because I, I only want him to hold the position for Tyree Jackson, who's going to be my, my ultimate number two and then eventually my number one. You know, he's going to be the next Dallas Goddard. Mm-hmm. Love Tyree. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
So I saw this question last night, like on I'm on like multiple Facebook groups, like Blair groups, and I saw this question, and I really didn't get into it with Jamal because it was like 11:30 at night, and I didn't feel like arguing. Right, right. But uh, I saw this question. I'm like, who would win in the NBA, and who would win? It would. It was between the 2000 Ravens and the 2019 Kansas City Chiefs. 2000 Ravens. Notice I ain't gonna think about that because we're never gonna disrespect the greatest defense of all time. I don't care how lethal Patty Mahomes is. The only reason why we lost the Super Bowl is because we turned the ball over. And we had John because stopped the Jonathan Gannon hate. The reason why we lost is because we turned the ball over. I would argue that Kansas City put up a better offense, offensive per- performance in the Super Bowl that we just passed in the 2019 performance. I mean, it's kind of the record, right? Like, you know, they – him and Jalen broke the record for like the most successful Super Bowl between two quarterbacks. So I get what you're saying. 2019 Chiefs were a better team roster constructed, but the 2022 Chiefs were a better offense. So I take in the the best Mahomes offense against the best Ravens defense of Ray Lewis career, which you didn't stay in 2000. Name me that defense and then tell me how Patty actually beats that defense with their cornerbacks, with Ed Reed in the safety position, with their, their Ed trenches. Reed wasn't on that team yet. Okay. He was in Miami. So. Was, it, was it Weddle? No. No, Weddle was later. Yeah. Weddle no, was 2000 later. Ravens. That was Chris McAllister, Ed okay. Reed, Peter Bulwer. I'm Tony never going to respect McAllister. Yeah, no. I, I, Chris, it was McAllister, Rod, young Rod Woodson, up, like youngish Rod Woodson up top, Tony Saragusa. Like you could just look up the – yeah, I still hold. I still maintain that no matter how much I love Patty and I love Patty, light skin Patty. Um, yeah, it's not even a question. I just if, if you were to put that defense against that offense, that defense is going to win. Right, my thing is, is this: they had a better coach too. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> they had a better coach. So you say Billick is better than Reed? Defensively, yes. Not overall. No, I would never. T- I would never do that. I would never disrespect Andy Reid like that. Okay. All Defensively, saying, yes. All I'm saying is this: what makes the Chiefs' offense so great is the fact that it only takes one play in order to end the damn. You're down seven nothing. Dang, another play like oh snap, missed assignment, missed gap, bam, right then and there's fourteen nothing. Right. Let me ask you, but if the Ravens are down fourteen nothing, do you trust that offense in order for them to get back in the game? I trust the defense to keep the pe- the, the Chiefs down. I keep the chief, Chiefs in check because the one thing I remember about that defense, and we're old enough, or I, I am definitely old enough. I mean, I know you're old enough, but you're like in that cusp. I'm definitely old enough because that was when like that was when the year the year after Dominic got drafted. So that was when I was watching NFL Super Heavy. Um, and I was also, I love Baltimore Ravens because I love their jerseys. I'm going to be honest. I was a girl at that time. I was choosing teams outside the Eagles because of the jersey. <laughs> um, but that team were monsters. There was murderers across the defensive line, including one real one. But sorry, Ray. Um, but that team was like, it's not that I don't believe Pat. Patty can score against any team. It's what defense do I trust more? I trust the Ravens defense more than I trust the – because I just think that the offense of Baltimore in the 2000 would have done enough to this Ravens defense to at least keep it in the game. I think this defense of 2000 Ravens would turn the ball over. That's what they did excellently. 
And then you talk about a Patty Mahomes who was on a gobbled ankle, a hobbled ankle against a, a Ray Lewis who was literally, you know, the, the, the Mike Tyson of the linebacker core, you know, the I'm going to eat your kids type of guy. Like, that man headhunted every single time. Head hunted. And then you're talking about a, Terry, a Tony Saragusa who was literally the premier run stopper. That man don't need sex. He didn't need pressures. He would just needed his 400 I love slabs of rib behind the clog. And that's all he needed to do. Now, you're talking about you stumped the running, uh, running game with t- Saragusa. You know, your check down game is, is going to be trash because Ravens 2000 defense can destroy check downs. That was one thing they knew they could do. So now Patty got to de- he got to rely on those 15 to 20 yard bombs. Patty's great at that. Patty ain't got the weapons for that. Now you're talking about a juju against Chris McAllister. Stop. Stop. I'm not talking about the 2022. Cheetah. I'm talking about 2019. Okay, 2019. So Cheetah against McAllister. Cheetah. Um, it's going to be Cheetah against the secondary because that- Kel- Kelsey against the linebackers. I'm good. I'm good. I'm taking the Ravens. Like again, they're just better. Like the Ravens' defense. It, like. If you remember, remember how dominant they was the whole season. It wasn't just the playoffs. Them boys literally what they own the NFL record for the lowest points per game, right? That was the year. Where they, it was like nine, nine or something like that. It was insane. I mean, you're talking about they was playing against Peyton Manning, you know, uh, 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 um, John Elway, um, who, like, they playing against Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They wasn't playing bums. Like, we could argue in this generation, there ain't that many great quarterbacks. In, in the late 90s, 2000s, there was a load of great quarterbacks. Now everybody wasn't, you know, burning the world down like Tom Brady would eventually do. But there was a load of quarterbacks. There was a load of running backs. There was a load of wide receivers. The, the NFL was good. Good. There wasn't that many transition terrible teams outside of what Tennessee but no Baltimore was awesome that defense was no uh-uh uh listen no I agree with you I mean 2000 Ravens were killers uh, <laughs> pun intended <laughs> all right all right but I think the reason why I say this because I think when it com- when we talk about you know some of the greatest defenses of all time Schedule the schedule in terms of who they play in con- has to matter in context as well. No, that's true. Because when we talk about the '85 Bears and how dominated they was, their only loss was really the only actual great quarterback. That no, they actually that, played. that's not talked about enough. You're right. That's not talked about enough. Yeah, but but like also like when we talk about the 2000 Ravens, like the the Chargers, they were one of 15. Who was their quarterback? Was it Gus Stetler? I don't know. Gus for Gus for Rod. Ooh, I, was it Gus for Rod? I, I don't know. So it, I like Gussy because think about it, like that was before they got Drew Brees. Like who's the who's the car? Who's yeah, the, but can we remember Drew Brees wasn't that great? Yeah, I know. Before yeah, d- you had to leave. You had to leave to get great. Who's the quarterback for the Cardinals back in two thousands? During the two thousand season. Hold up, hold up, because I did. You thought these are my years? That was uh, Jeff J J. Ooh. Jay, right? Uh, ah, it's going, it's going to irk me. Cardinals quarterback in two thousand. That was, uh, yeah, it's going to, yeah. Please find Jake it the out. Snake. Yes, Jake the Snake. I told you it was a Jay. I knew it was a Jay. Yeah. They faced the Browns twice. Uh huh. Who's their quarter? Who's the, come on? We're not, we're not talking about the Browns. Tim Couch, probably. <laughs> but but 
You talk about then, yes, because Tim Couch was. Yeah, so the, yeah. Ba- the Bengals twice, that's probably Achilles Smith. The f- Cowboys. Achilles was okay. The Bengals was terrible. <laughs> who was the quarterback for the Cowboys in the 2000s? If you can't even remember, then. Oh, gonna- don't do me like that because I can remember. You got Bledsoe. Uh, so before Bledsoe was. Quincy Carter. Quincy Carter. Before Quincy Carter. Aikman got retired in 99, right? Yeah. So Aikman got retired in 99, 2000 was, ooh, that might be the year I don't know. Uh, oh, my God. Who was right after Aikman? Oh, no, it was. Oh, no, it was Aikman. Okay, yeah, he retired, like, within that year or two. Yeah. Because, I mean, the Seven year before, touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Oh, my God. I think that was the year that Tim Houck put him in retirement. Yeah. The Jaguars twice. Obviously, the quarterback was Mark Brunel. Brunel was good. I used to love Brunel. Yeah, he was. Madden. Yeah. Number oh. 10. Yeah. Uh, and Fred Taylor. Woo! Yeah. Who's Washington's quarterback in the 2000s? Washington's quarterback in the 2000s. I have no idea. Now, that's a good one. That is a good one. Washington's quarterback in the – Doug Flutie? No. Brad Johnson. Brad was okay. Brad – he was he was he was good. Like right, let's see. he the, wasn't great. The nine and seven Jets. I'm assuming that's Vinny Testaverde. Testy, yeah, that was Testaverde. The Steelers twice. Um, Cordell, Cordell, and then Ben Roethlisberger took over. Yeah, uh, eleven and five Dolphins. I think. Who's the, who's the Dolphins? Eleven and five Dolphins. Marino played for a while. Uh, who was after Marino? That's the question. Jay Fielder. Wow, I didn't remember that one. And, That's a throwback. And the Titans twice. Obviously, that was Steve McNair. Rest so, in peace. Yeah, so if you look at that list, it's McNair's probably the best quarterback that he played throughout that entire season. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, in regards to that, when we talk about these great defenses, context-wise, we have to talk but about – But they didn't just beat teams. Yeah, I know. They, <laughs> they, they mercilessly destroyed teams. Yeah, I know, but – when we talk about them destroying teams and them crushing offenses, then if we played them against, like, better offenses, like, of course they would dominate. But, like, context-wise, they were a product of their time, in my honest opinion, in regards to they dom- when they play upper echelon quarterbacks, more often than not, an upper echelon quarterback is probably going to get the best of a better defense. So do you think the Chiefs offense would thrive in every era? With Andy Reid, yes. Because we've seen that, like – I don't think what Cheetah does. Patty, yes. Well, Andy, yes. Let's, I mean, the way the NFL hit back in the days, and you remember this, the way the NFL's hit back in the days. Andy Reid. I don't know if Patty survived, listen, but here's the thing. I know Andy that Reed Cheetah constru- don't. Andy Reid constructed an offense that got to four and the three NFC title games during that period, and his number one wide receivers were James Thrash and Todd Pinkston. Yeah, but that I get, I get what you're saying, but he also did that. With a really good quarterback, a really a awesome running back, mm-hmm. one of the most underrated running backs in NFL history. Yeah, not in Philadelphia. And a great, and a great offensive in history. In a, a great offensive line. Right. It, like he didn't. He never needed great, great wide receivers. I mean, shoot, he proved that last year with Juju. He don't need great wide. Yeah, receivers. but also when you saw when he finally gets like a legitimate number one, they get to the Super Bowl. Right. And if he has but a he got the Super Bowl with Juju. Juju wasn't a uh, number one. Andy, Andy will do it. Andy will do it. I'm just saying, like back then, like Andy has proven that, like, hey, I can, my schemes, my schemes work, and we can get deep playoffs. I think runs. Patty's more fragile than Donovan now, but even still, like, like Donovan took hits. Donovan played on a broken ankle. 
Patty not playing on a broken ankle. Yeah, we get the whole, oh, Pat, you know, Patty's on a hobbled ankle and he's playing. Bro, come on, stop. Like, and the quarterbacks nowadays, not quarterbacks before. Quarterbacks before Listen, was playing well, with broken shoulders. Like, Troy Aikman literally got his head look, dug into the ground. Listen, Mahomes went into the locker room, injected himself with, with steroids, and came back. With the play. same stuff that A-Rod <laughs> took during their week one win against Chicago <laughs> a few years ago. It came back and won. And they didn't punt. They didn't punt. They didn't turn the ball over. I'm just saying, like, in my honest opinion, like, everybody talks about defense with championships, but to be honest, unless we're talking about, like, the 2015 Broncos who legitimately showed that, in my opinion, in a in a in an era in which it favors now favors the offense more than ever, they dominated. The same with the Legion. Right, but boom. You, you didn't say that if the Chiefs played the offense, the the Ravens defense with the current NFL style of play, would they win? I agree with you. But if we just balance the scales, let's just say it was balanced scales. Wasn't that the way the NFLs ran then? Not the way the NFLs ran now. Just two best teams all time. Chiefs best offense. Ravens' best defense. I don't know if I – like, it's, and I love Andy, and I believe in Andy, and I believe in Patty, but I believe in Ray. I believe in that defense. I believe in the nine points that they that they allow. I believe in a hundred and some yards that they allowed. Or what was it? Whatever insane amount of – like, cause it, I get what you're saying. Like, they didn't play that many great teams, but let's say the same thing about the Kansas City. Yeah, like, they played a lot of great quarterbacks, but they didn't play a lot of great teams. And then on top of that, once you get to the NFC – like, once you get to the Super Bowl, what teams were you really playing that was, that was putting up with you? Like, come on. Like, 49ers, uh, the Falcons blew a 28 to whatever lead. You know, um, you know, the Eagles. You had to play your literal greatest game against the Eagles in order to win. Like, you want, me to, you want to tell me that I mean, that they played team, just an equally as great game two weeks before that against Cincinnati. Right. But you want me you you want me to believe that d- that team is going to hands down beat Baltimore's defense? I just don't I don't see it. I don't like. I, I think it's gonna be a great game. I think it's gonna be a low scoring game. I think I think that's the only game in Patty's career where he only ha- he only scores like fourteen points. He might get the win, but he only going he only going throw two touchdowns. Baltimore really stopped players. Like, yeah. But also, like, if we're adopting those rules, those offensive linemen, they, they could really hold as well. Like, That's true. We can talk about physicality. That's true. It's also, but Andy Reid ain't going to have his quarterback out there with a boo-boo offensive line. That's true. But who in, who in this era could stop Ray Lewis? Sure. Ain't, ain't, ain't nothing stopping Ray Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> so, you mean to tell me, Patty, Patty Fragile Mahomes with a Ray Ray, Running down your running down the line like he and Buckhead Atlanta in two thousand and two, you think that Ray Ray ain't going to destroy Patty? Ray Ray going to take Patty's head off, head off because that's what Ray Ray did. Listen, all all, all Mahomes got to do is find that white suit that, that Ray Ray in the club, and then he 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 DMP. Ray didn't care about none of that. <laughs> Ray didn't care about none of that. I remember that man literally hitting players after the whistle. Just going after teams on the sidelines. Ray Ray don't care about none of that. Ray Ray was a thug, and he showed us he was a real thug. But Ray Ray was a thug. And then you got to think, that wasn't just Ray Lewis on that linebacker court. They had a great, 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 great defense. So, I, again, I, I think that's an awesome question, though. I don't think it's – I think that's literally – I think that's just one of those questions where we can just debate back and forth. I think it's an awesome question because I just don't know. Yeah, to be honest, I do think physicality-wise, obviously Ravens dominate, but – with that Chiefs offense, with the way that it's constructed with him and 
Tariq Hill at that time in that chemistry. All it takes is just one play. Just hold off it. Just hold for like three to five seconds, and Mahomes is over, and Tariq Hill's over the top. And it's four, and it's fourteen. I just Chris McAllister was a burner. Like we forget that man can run. I just don't know. Cheetah's not doing what he does to these guys. What he's going to do to that defense back then. The way they bump him off the line, it's not happening. Cheetah gonna have a game because Cheetah's all time great wide receiver. I'm not gonna hate on him, but all time great wide receivers get nullified by nullified by great defenses. That's true. So, you know, like Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice, they have a great game every game. Terrell Owens, they have a great game every game. Everybody gets nullified by somebody. And what about Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Cause that's still the X factor. That's an X factor as well. Ravens had good uh, safeties, and I will argue in that era, safeties were better than. I they mean, are that's now. fair, but if if Shannon Sharp can go ahead and get his on Ray, I'm not going to talk on Shannon Sharp versus Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey has a better skill set. I believe Shannon Sharp's a better player. I think Shannon Sharp in his era will be just as good, if not better. Shannon Sharp was a monster, and the man was <laughs> undrafted. <laughs> like Savannah State. Savannah State. Mr. Boo Boo, I don't know how to talk. That man played. Um Yeah, I I don't know. I think it's I think it's a great question though. And I don't know who stops Travis. But I do know the safeties back in those days are better than the safeties now. We don't have a lot of great safeties then. Now. We had a lot of great safeties then. You gotta think. Tim Hawk was our safety for the Eagles and he wasn't a bum. Like he wasn't. He he might not have been great, but and back in those times, we were like, oh, I can't stand Tim Hawk. I wish I had this guy. I wish I had this guy. I would take Tim Hawk in 2023. That man hit, and that man covered. He got burned like Jalen Mills a lot, but he hit, and he covered. Now, and me, when he hit, he hit you out now, the game. Now, give me David Moore. <laughs> but that's still that era, though. Yeah, I know. That's, that's still, still that era. Like, those Tim Hawk, Rashard Cook, David right, Moore. Those safeties were better to me. You know, that's why we get so – and Michael Lewis. about Earl Thomas's and the Quandre Diggs and all those guys because safeties are so rare in between now. Back then, that wasn't the case. Everybody had two good safeties. We had two good safeties for years. Dawkins and, and Robinson or Lewis. And then when Lewis was gone, we had uh, Quentin, uh, McHale. Quentin McHale. Like, we – safeties were, were being – they were bred back in the day. Everybody had a good safety. Now, you pray to have a good safety. You trade top draft capital to get good safety. So, that's what I said, like, yeah, Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey because ain't no safety can stop him. And in the 2000s, I can name four who could play, play up to him. Shoot, put Travis Kelsey across the line from B-Dog. You're going to catch that ball, Kelsey, or you going to hold on to the ball? That's the question. I don't know if Kelsey survives. That's fair. These guys don't hit. Those guys hit. Kelsey catching the ball over the middle like he do now – against one of those safeties back in the day, they shelling him. They putting him on his back, and they going to make him bleed out his butt. No. I, th- I I got the Ravens. I don't know if I put money on it, but I got the Ravens. All right, once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYND, running back sports show, sports for the culture. If you want to call it, if you want to call it, join the discussion. The number is 215-763-9596. Oh, my God. Nah, nah, I am not talking about Chris Sims. <sighs> Chris Sims and the greatest quarterback rankings ever. Chris Sims, ladies and gentlemen, since Chris don't want to talk about his namesake. Chris Sims, the guy who never, ever done anything in NFL, his greatest claim to fame is that he has a daddy who was halfway good. 
And even he wasn't that great. He was much better as an analyst than he was a quarterback. Very recently voted Jalen Hurts as the number seven best quarterback in the NFL. A year after making Jalen what, like the 20-something best quarterback in the NFL? Chris Sims, because we're not really going to talk about Chris Sims, is probably the biggest NFL tool of analysts next to Skip Bayless. And he's worse than Skip Bayless by far. Skip Bayless's only crime is that he's a Cowboys super fan. Outside of that, Skip Bayless got some, some really good takes. Chris Sims never has a good take. I mean, his argument for why Jalen was seventh was Jalen still misses passes. But then I looked at the guys above Jalen Hurts, the Joe, Joey Burrows, the Trevor Lawrences, guys who Joey Burrow, who I love, is a check down king. Trevor Lawrence, who actually didn't emerge until the second half of last year. And even then, he it's not better than Jalen Hurts. Name me four quarterbacks better than Jalen Hurts right now, Chris. Let me see. Uh, he's number seven. I, I ain't even asking you to name me seven because that's just stupid. <laughs> name me four. <laughs> so he's got Lawrence at six, Lamar at five, Herbert four. I'm assuming Allen three, Burrow two, and Mahomes one. That was literally the list. I'm going to tell you right now, Lawrence ain't better than him. Herbert may have more gaudy pass yards. He's not a better quarterback. Um, who else was above him? Uh, Patty, okay. Lamar. Lamar's not better than him. Look, guys, can we stop? Can we please stop with the Lamar is, the, you know, listen, Lamar's great. Lamar has never shown you anything with his arm. Am I wrong or am I right, Chris? Besides leading the league, a touchdown pass for sure. He throws bombs. Michael Vick threw bombs. Was Michael Vick ever a thrower? Was he ever a thrower of the football? He had bombs, but was he ever a thrower of the football? 2010, yeah. Even then, I love Michael Vick. Uh, my favorite quarterback of all time, and I was a Dominic Nab super fan. That man could not throw between 10 and 15 yards. He could throw 40 yards. He could throw 50 yards. He could throw 80 yards. That man could not throw a checkdown pass. He overthrew everybody, or he threw it too hard. He wasn't Don McNabb who threw it, threw it to the ground all the time, but he overthrew. Lamar is Michael Vick with better, a little better passing. Lamar is a phenomenal quarterback, and by all accounts, an MVP candidate every year. Lamar is not better than Jalen. I don't want to hear it, and I'm tired of it. I saw these three, uh, these three uh, nice white gentlemen – who, re, who had a podcast of their own who said if the Ravens called the, if the Eagles called the Ravens called the Eagles for Jalen Hurts, so it was one or the other, would you take the trade? And everybody was like, oh, yeah, I would gladly take Lamar Jackson over Jalen Hurts. And I must be the only person in history where I looked at these three guys and I'm just like, what? Why? And I in would. what world? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Like, and this is coming from a, like a Jalen Hurts detractor last year. Like – Gr granted, if this was before last year, Chris, this is before Super Bowl run, maybe we're all in agreement that we would take a Lamar Jackson because he dynamically changed the game in ways that we've never seen from a quarterback position. Yeah, But to, but me, to me, this is the year for Lamar to prove it. This is the year for yeah, Lamar to prove it. I agree with you there. So you why is he got better than Jalen? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I don't get. Now, Chris Sims is dumb, so I don't take him. He has no credibility. Yeah. But this is a real topic that I've heard. 
is that there are three to four quarterbacks better than Jalen Hurts. I don't believe that. I think there's one quarterback better than Jalen Hurts, and that's the only quarterback better than Jalen Hurts, the only quarterback that beat him in the biggest stage of them all. And he only beat him because Jalen fumbled the ball. And even then, even if Jalen would have won the game, I would still say Patty was number one. But it's all I don't I don't know how in the world you watched the, the year. I'll say this. I say last year, the only quarterbacks I'll legitimately take over Jalen Hurts is because is obviously Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Jo- I give you that. I give you that. And li- and the only reason why I'm like, listen, if you give Joe Burrow this type of offensive line, Joe Burrow's monstrous. Like I agree with you there. Yeah. So I've seen this guy literally take. Statistically, the worst offensive line by any by any team to ever go to the Super Bowl in NFL history, and he still almost won the game. You're right, and he got any, and it's not even like he, you know, he's Lamar Jackson and he avoided the hits. The man got he broke the record for getting sacked in the season. Yeah, <laughs> so he take the hits and he come he takes and, and coming off a rookie year season where he tore his ACL. Like Joe, Joey Burrow is is ultra ultra cool, ultra smooth. He's definitely that guy. Yeah, I call him check down king, but he is what he is. He's great. Um. I I won't I won't argue that I won't like again that's apples and oranges subjectiveness like we're just on two sides of the coins like I got to agree to disagree but I love Joey Burrow so I would never say I won't take Joey Burrow um so okay top three quarterbacks in the NFL we're in agreement it's Joey Burrow Patty Mahomes and Jalen I got Joey three you got Joey two okay um outside of that and that's hard for me because Herbert was my number three yeah. I thought Herbert was Herbert. It's hard for me because I was a big Josh Allen truther, but Josh was, Allen is to me is different than all the other guys because Josh Allen has a team. I think Josh Allen is like he's like Patty Mahomes. You can't, you don't have no excuses. Herbert has an excuse. Your team sucks. Like your greatest weapon is Keenan Allen. He's great, but I'm, but you still have no reason to blow that twenty-eight nothing lead. That's true. That I will give you that. I can't even. That fight is you beyond there. embarrassing. I can't fight you there. I can't. Because you, because he lost the game. Yeah, because listen, if that was if that was any other quarterback, if that was Lamar or any other black quarterback, they would have gotten they would have gotten. They'd have the been best. traded. Yeah, <laughs> they'd have been traded, and ain't nobody getting no two hundred fifty million dollar contract extension doing that. Yeah, you know Herbert definitely got white privilege, but Herbert's actually a really great quarterback. If I put Herbert in the Eagles' offense, Herbert has better passing yards. Yeah. We know that. If you put Herbert in Cincinnati's offense, I would argue he's he does just as great as Cincinnati. Herbert has a really bad team, bro. Like, he's had a bad team since he's been in the league. Trevor Lawrence was that problem. Now Trevor Lawrence is ratifying that problem. And the next year he's going to be even better because he's about to get one of the best wide receivers back in the game that we forgot about, Calvin Ridley, who was legitimately that dude in Atlanta. The only guy that I wanted to see us trade for that we didn't. I mean, I'm happy we didn't because we got A.J. and Devontae. But, yeah, um – there's there's only two quarter there's only one quarterback better than Jalen two if you want to really call apples to oranges, Josh Allen would have been that dude but he really sh- he really shoot the poodle last year, in Buffalo I mean to the point where Stefan had to call him out. This year's gonna be interesting though I just don't I still have Philly at fourteen and three no matter how difficult the schedule is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm I'm sorry like I. Someone said, uh, you remember uh, Squid from Rocket Power, right? Yeah. Yeah. Someone said, this, someone said it looks like Raz B. <laughs> 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 I 
Um, <laughs> Look like Rasby. Shout out to Rasby wherever you're at. Oh, man. All right. Uh, we got about less than 10 minutes. And honestly, let's do a little, let's do a little culture question. Culture uh, questions. I saw on Twitter, it was like, what is an album that has all hits, no skips? All right. So we're switching to culture questions. I got 10 minutes to answer this. I'm only going to need two minutes because this is an easy one. You said albums, no skips. Yes. No, any any genre? Any genre. How many I got to give you? As many as you want. Okay, because like we we rarely have we rarely talk about this. Like, let me be honest, we we we, we, we really do. Yes. We, uh, so okay. I'm curious, like, what's going on in your brain, like music wise, like. Okay. <laughs> I love me music questions. All right. So first album. Complete, complete gold, no skips. Life Jennings, two six eight one nine two. Um, music Soul Child, I just want to sing. First album. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City, oh, Section eighty, overly dedicated. I would argue Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, but the latest works get a lot more detractors. So I'll leave it there. Um, Drake, first album, Take Care. Hove, Blueprint. Eminem, the first one Marshall the Mathers one. LP, first one. Marshall Mathers LP, easy. Tupac. Biggie. What's Tupac? First one, not Posthumous Works. Okay. Uh, Biggie's only... Real album. R. Kelly, I know. I know. I know. TP2, I know. Trust me. Bro, I'm not saying this with, like, you, look at my face. I'm not smiling. I don't want to. But I had this conversation recently, and I said, with artists, it's a tricky thing. Because with artists, if we really want to play that card, there are very few artists you should be listening to. Going to be honest. Uh, Rick James was a woman beater, like a uh, bad, rapey woman beater. Um, half of them are complete drug addicts and misogynists. So it's really difficult. R. Kelly's just the one that you got smacked with. He's like Bill Cosby. You smacked him with all the worst allegations. You threw him in prison. But the man's just artistic work. TP2 was arguably the greatest R&B album of all time. Um, and it's also not the raun- it's not raunchy. It's not R. Kelly's raunchy works. Um... Half of Michael Jackson's discography. <laughs> uh, half of Prince's discography. But if we want to be poignant, I'm just going to stick to like 268192, Life Jennings, Love, Music, Soul Child, um, Drake's Take Care album, Lil Wayne, Carter, Carter 1, Carter 2, Jay-Z, Blueprint, Kendrick, Overly Dedicated, Section 80, Good Kid, Mad City. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, shoot, we can get, we can go real crazy. I can tell you every single Anita album never had a skip. Baker? Yes, never had a skip at all. She didn't produce skips. Um. Yeah, yeah. What about you? What would be your your out al- your album? No skip. Okay. Um, I'll pick it back off you, Jay Z. Reasonable doubt. Okay. No skips for me. Okay. 
It was also the first Jay-Z album I also listened to. I'm just like, okay. I'm like, you listen to it after the second time it was released? It was released twice. The first time it got no play. It was like Eminem, first album. No, like so dead. what? how I discovered it is that, like, obviously, like, I'm generation younger than you. Right. With all due respect. Um, I so love like, my age. Old, yeah, old brother. So, like, we was moving to our house in South Philly. So, like, my mom was like, you know, if you clean the basement, like, in, if you clean the basement, like, you can do whatever you want in the basement. And, like, however you want to organize the basement. I'm like, all right, cool. So I was organizing the basement. Uh, my mom is, like, a huge music buff. Okay. So she had, like, obviously, you know, the black folder of, like, albums. So I'm just like, so, like, I saw, like, Jay-Z, I'm like, re- I saw this black and white, like, a CD, Reasonable Doubt. I started playing that. And I'm like, Can't Knock the Hustle was obviously the first one. Then after that, Can I Live, 22 Twos, Devils. I'm just like, oh, okay, dang. Like, like well over like an hour past, I didn't skip that album once, and it was like absolutely amazing. I'm just like, okay. So, it was that? Uh, obviously, I'm a huge I'm a huge Kanye buff. So, late registration is probably like the the one I don't skip. I love every single part of that album. I love the skits also. I must say, the first couple of Kanye albums were non skippers for me. Yeah, like. <laughs> College dropout. College dropout. Yeah. Outcast doesn't have a skip for me. Yeah. Speaker box on the love below. That's my. <laughs> you didn't. You shouldn't have did that. Like you could have. That's like that, that's just the album. Like everybody know. That's like yeah. the gold of goals. But you don't. You don't imagine because every time you mention, everybody's like, "Ooh, that album was so nasty." Like yeah. Yeah, and same for Kendrick, Good Kid, Man City. I even love the bonus tracks, too. The Now or Never is probably, like, my favorite track, and that's the bonus track. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I love me some music, and there's a lot of artists that obviously, they have albums that I listen to, but there's always at least one song I skip. You know, Kendrick is one of the few artists I haven't, like, I personally have never skipped a Kendrick song. Now, I, I didn't mention all his whole discography, because I know, like, people are divisive about To Pimp a Butterfly, or, yeah. you know, it's like, because that was when his coat. It was culture shocker for his his fans, yeah. you know, because to that point, you know, he was always socially conscious, but he was still mainstream. You know, that was the first time he took socially conscious and made it mainstream. Yeah. So that yeah. was divisive. Outside of that, like, you know, I agree with you. To Kanye, his first works, when Kanye first came out, he was untouchable. Yeah. Untouchable. College dropout, late registration. Like, come on, man. Like, oh, my God, Kanye, what happened to you? Like, I'm so sorry your mom passed away. Like, real rap. Like, because that messed you up. Because you were literally on, like, there's no producer or artist that was ever going to be greater than that man. And then his mom passed away, and then he got with Kim. And then, like, even before Kim, he was just losing his mind. I mean, when he was with Amber Rose, it was just, he was out there. Um, Shoot, I'll even, I'll even veer off the road a little bit. Common, B. Love that album. Yes. Start to finish. Yes, 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 Common B. Yes. Yeah. Um, Common was my man. Like, you talking some... You definitely talking music right now because Common, I really mess with Common. Common was my favorite socially conscious rapper for years, um, and I had, a, I we, Jamal had uh, neighbor had this cookout and we were sitting there. We was actually rapping about uh, music, and I was like, the reason why Kendrick to me is the goat of rappers is because Kendrick was a mainstream rapper. First, he was socially conscious, went mainstream, then went back socially consciousness, and then took socially consciousness to mainstream. Makes him the greatest rapper. Bot bar none for me because discography, body of work, sales, everything, every single thing you want to throw in that argument, Kendrick tops it. And over Jay Z, it's it's literally it's record. Google it. Um, 
But what really it takes the cake is when I had this conversation. I said Common was the greatest socially conscious rapper. Common was the closest thing we ever got to a mainstream socially conscious rapper. The closest mainstream song he ever had was Too Close. I mean, Come Close to You. I mean, yeah, you can talk about like the light. There is the light. Like, you know, you can talk about be, it's so many songs. But Come Close to Me, because it was Mary J, mm -hmm. was the closest that he ever got to being a mainstream rapper. And to that point, black folk love him. White folk don't listen to Common. I can go outside and go ask Bill, Bob, Chuck, and Harry about Common, and they're not going to know about Honestly, like he's like on the same ground where it's like black people love the roots, but it's like what white people listen to the roots. And that's the crazy thing, because Black Thought is one of the greatest lyricists of all time. And no but one knows. No one will ever know outside of Philadelphians and people who really get down with the roots. Because you're right, you know. There's certain artists that are just, they're so they're so socially conscious. They're black, like they're black. They're black speaks. You know, when your black speaks, white don't listen. You know, so common man. If you took common from that era, put common in this era, next to Kendrick. Oh, oh yeah, common about to get shaped. Common mm. about to get played, and he got played in. But he's going to get a lot more play from a lot more diverse audiences now. Yes. And I think that's where Common, like, I hope somebody really gives Common his flowers because he deserves it. Shoot, Common would do, like, multiple projects with, like, Cole, Gambino, Frank Ocean. He was just wrong air. Another album you don't skip. Which one? Frank. No, you don't touch. You don't. Plus play, go do what you got to do. Channel Orange or Blonde? Channel Orange, bro. Like, <laughs> Look, Channel Orange is one of the greatest albums I've ever heard in my life. Channel Orange is probably one of the greatest R&B albums, soul albums in the last 30 years. I'm being honest. I'm just being real with you. Frank Ocean dropped the, the god of albums and just said, you know what? I'm stepping away. Like, I still listen to it as if it's the first time. You know, rather it's, you know, um, Novocaine, Pink Matter. Like, the album was just it. God, Frank Please, anybody listening, I just need all y'all to tweet that man, Instagram that man, Facebook that man, stalk that man. Tell Frank he needs to drop a Channel Orange 2 tomorrow. And on that note, this has been Chris Thomas. I am Corey Moore. And you've been listening to the Random Bad Sports Show, Sports for the Culture, every Tuesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. And another big shout-out to Mike for coming in to talk to us about Nick Nurse. Until next time, be easy, stay safe, and stay black. Stay black.